Okay, this is exciting. We're ready to go. Chaim. Today's Pasha Snosoy, and we're going to learn the Mimer a beer al Pasakaisavarhu. And a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago we learned the Mimer Kaisavarhu must have been about 12, 10, 12 years ago. And I'm sure everybody's been walking around bewildered because they didn't know the explanation. For the last 12 years, no one had any peace of mind. So now, Baruch Hashem, we're going to learn the explanation on the Mimer. And uh, yeah, okay. This week in Parshas Nasai, it discusses the special mitzvah that the Kohanim have a mitzvah to bless the Jewish people every day, even though in, we're, we're accustomed only to do them on the holidays, on Yom Tif. But um, in Eretz Yisrael, in most places, it's done every day. And so it will be when the Beis Amidish is standing, the Kohanim bless the Jewish people every day in the Holy Temple. And the blessings are obviously very powerful blessings, exactly God's words, that God tells Kois of Aruchu, exactly in these blessings, these are the words you should say. And it uh, gives us, uh, and obviously we understand that this is like the highest blessing, the Kohanim, that the Kohanim who are meant to bless the people, give the Jewish people. Um, in this discourse, the Alter Rebbe explains the significance and tremendous empowerment of these blessings of the Birchus Kohanim. And what does it mean in terms of the actual blessings itself? He doesn't go into the concept of the idea of Kohanim having to bless. He goes into the inner meaning of the actual blessing itself and how it's applicable to all of us all the time, uh, even when there is no Berchus Kohanim. It's just a concept of what it represents. And um, it's interesting that there is some kind of a connection in this Berchus Kohanim to the idea of benching. We know that Berchus Kohanim has three blessings. The three blessings are the three verses, three psukim. The first one is Yivarecha Hashem Yishmerecha. That's the first blessing. Hashem should bless you and He should protect you, guard you. And that's one pasuk. The next pasuk is Yair Hashem Hashem should shine His face, radiate His face to you. Vichuneka, and He should give you grace. That's the next pasuk. And the third pasuk is Yisah Hashem Panavelecha. The Eibusha should lift His face to you. Vyasim Shalom, and He should give you peace. So these are the three, the three blessings, and those that we hear at the beginning of this year have the extra, the extra bonus of since I'm a coin, so I just now said all the blessings. But I didn't stop saying the blessings, I said them as part of the mimer, so they're like extra, extra potent. <laughs> In any case, the chasages say um, that the last words, Yisa Hashem Panavelecha, that Hashem should lift his face up. That's a simple translation, but the deeper meaning, I mean, not deeper, but the meaning, the gentleman, when you say, Yisa Hashem Panavelecha, means that Hashem should look away. Nesiyas Panem means that you're showing someone, um, you're showing, you're extending someone leeway. Uh, I'm looking away, you know, even if based on their merits they don't deserve, you're giving someone a pass. That's the literal meaning of Nasiyas Panim. You're giving someone a pass even though they don't deserve it. Generally, we say 
that the Gemara says, the Malachim complained to God. The angels complained to God. They said, how do you give the Jewish people leeway? How do you give Yidin a pass? We know it says that you're a God that's just. Okay, you want to reward them for the good they do. They have a plenty of good they do. But what do you mean giving them a pass, looking away of their inequities or whatever, or not, or even if they didn't, uh, even if they didn't uh, get, you know, score enough points to win the game, you consider it as if they won the game and you give them the reward as if they're winners. That's cheating. And you're a God that's just. You're a God that's truthful. How are you showing? Oh, the idea of Yisa Shampana Velecha means showing favoritism. That's really what it is. Uh, the Abish is showing favoritism, which Luchura is a problem. What does it mean that God shows favoritism? Yisa Shampana Velecha, the Abish will will give extra, will show favor. Where's your coat? Okay, go get your coat, yeah, because you, so you're going to go shut the air and I need it. Okay, good. With your scarf and your gloves and your earmuffs and the boots, don't forget the boots. Um, I'm hot because I'm giving the shear, she's cold and she's always, she's trying to get it and I'm opening it. So, <laughs> so I said there's only one way we can help this. Is if you get if you if you put on everything you'll be warm even in the room we go. In any case, so the, uh, how does God show favoritism? That's what the Gemara asks, and the Gemara answers that the reason why it's that God says, well, how can I not? And what's the answer? Hashem says, He says because when I told the Jewish people to bench, to say a grace after the meal. The mitzvah of the Pasuk says, You will eat, you will be full, you will be satiated. You will bless God. So from there we learn out that Birkas Amazin, you're only obligated when you ate. So in Torah, biblically, we only have to bench when you feel full. If you didn't eat enough to feel full, you don't have to bench. It means even if you ate bread, but you ate only a little bit, um, according to the biblical law, you don't have to bench. Yet, God says, the Jewish people go beyond the letter of the law. And they have instituted and taken upon themselves to save the to do benching even unless than being satiated. Now, doesn't mean even a tiny bit, but kezayis u kebeya. If they eat enough like an olive size, or for sure enough like an egg size, they bench already, even if they're not full. So God says, they are so, they go beyond the letter of the law to bless me, how can I not go and reciprocate beyond the letter of the law and bend over for them? They bend over for me, I bend over for them. That's the idea that the sages learn, and that's the meaning of Yisa Hashem, so from here we see, from here we see that we see that there is something about benching in Birchas Kohanim. Because suddenly, how does, why is God answering about benching, which you grace after meal, regarding to the blessing that the Kohanim give? The fact that God responds something about benching. The, the, is that Birkat Amazon is a sign that the they're related. So the Rebbe is going to explain 
the Alter Rebbe in this discussion. Again, the main mimer we learned, and I think it's posted on our, on our website. I'm going to check tomorrow. If not, I'll have to post it. It's an old, old mimer. It should be posted on Parshas Nasli on the website. And we learned that a few years ago. But the explanation of the mimer we didn't learn, and now we're going to learn it. But what he's going to explain is that really the three blessings of the Kohanim are all related to eating and the blessing we make after the food. Um, one of the most important functions that we have to do in this world as Jews is we have to eat. And we take it very seriously, that function. And that is very important. Actually, if you think about it, Adam Arishon, when God put him on this world, the first commandment, the first conversation God had with a human being is about eating. God said, from all the fruit of the trees you should eat. Hey, don't eat from this one. We're all busy with what he told them not to eat. But the bigger, the bigger chiddush is not that he tells them what not to eat. The biggest novelty is that he tells them to eat. But the fact that it's the first commandment, the first conversation God has with a person is to eat, is a sign that we were created to eat. And actually we fix the entire creation through eating. And that's why we have to eat. Initially God told Adam to be vegetarian. He didn't have to eat the animals, but he had to eat the vegetation, and which comes from the mineral. Afterwards, God allowed for Adam to eat animals, and not only was Adam given permission, Adam given permission to eat animals, but Adam actually has a mission now to eat, to include in their diet meat. Meat has to be included in, the, in humans' diets in order for the world, the correction that we need to make in the, in the cosmos, the correction that we need to make in the world, the human, the human influence and human correction requires eating and eating animals as well. Why is eating so important? So we're basically going to see is that a human being is a converter of energy. He's a consumer of energy. And basically, we, we, the food that we eat becomes our body. And if it becomes our body, to a certain degree, it's integrated into energy because the body burns off energy. And the energy becomes the energy of the soul. So really, the food that you're eating becomes part of the human soul. And when the human soul cleaves to God, and not only cleaves to God, but dissolves in God's truth, becomes unified and integrated into God's truth, at that moment you elevate these inherently finite, disconnected creatures that are stuck in their finitude and stuck in their, ti in their tininess, and now they become included in an infinite energy in the infinite power of God Himself, allowing for God to reveal Himself in the finite world and that the finite world stop being finite, they become, they become bound up in the infinite light and infinite presence of Hashem. And then you're elevating the finite existence into the infinite existence, and that's the ultimate purpose that Hashem created the world. To unify Him Himself with the lowest of the worlds. So you could not be doing a greater favor for the rest of, you, of the world and of existence like the favor you do to the world by eating. 
But in order to do that, you have to be human. Because only, only if you're human can you eat. Now just because you're born as part of the species of human doesn't make you human yet. Because we all have an animal side as well. It's possible for a person to live their entire life as an animal, not as a human. Never tapping the human condition, the human soul. The human soul is the power of us that recognizes God and is in a, in a, in a complete state of surrender. If we are living outside of that state of surrender, then we're in animal consciousness, that human consciousness, and then our, our experience of eating is just as vicious as the predatory nature of an animal eating another animal, which sometimes looks just plain vicious and, 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 and ugly. And there's no right to eat. The only right to eat is if you're human. So put it this way, if you're human, then it's the highest cause to eat. If you're not human, how do you become human? Through prayer. Prayer enables you to unlock your higher human consciousness. And then a higher human consciousness, when that's unlocked, and then if you approach your, the, the food that you're eating, the world that you're, that you're living in, and the food of you eating, and you consume parts of the world every day, that consumption is consumed into the human of yourself, into that higher consciousness, especially when you're actually engaging in prayer, you're sweeping up massive chunks of the creation and including it into the divine. And the reason why we have to eat every day is because every day, I'm sorry, the reason why we have to pray every day, according to what we're going to learn now, the whole function of prayer serves eating. We're used to thinking that we eat so that we can pray. We're eating so that we can pray. It's not true. We pray so that we can eat. The main purpose and the main accomplishment is through eating. But in order that our eating should be the way it should, we need to pray. Had we not, if not for eating, that every, if not for eating, we wouldn't have to pray every day. It would be enough, what's prayer? Prayer is to come to a recognition of God and to surrender yourself to God. Now, if you achieve that once in your lifetime, you're good enough. Well, what's, yeah, once in your lifetime, you've, you've achieved a connection. Tashem, become one with him, that's good enough, fine. You've reached that higher awareness one time in your lifetime. That would be good. Once a year, once a year for sure would be good. Once a month would be overdoing it already. You've done it already. What do you have to re, re? So why do we have to pray every day? The only reason we have to pray every day is because we have a, every day we have a different body. The reason we have a different body every day is because your blood cells are new today, not yesterday's blood cells. Do you know that all your cells in your body change, I think, they, what do they say, every few days? Every few days, you have a complete, in other words, if, if you were to look at what cells you have now, I don't know how long they say, in a week from now or in two weeks from now, you're a complete different body. You're not the same body because all your blood cells have changed, everything has become new, more new ones. So these blood cells, which, and, and where does it come from? From the food that you consume. Last week's meal, meals, or even three days ago's meals, is your body today. That's a part of the world that needs to connect to God. It cannot be connected to God only through the human. The human is the channel. Human in prayer. 
So you have to pray so that all the cans of tuna fish should be elevated as well. So every so he's amazing. We're praying every day. The constant need to prayer is because we're is because of the food because we're eating, and God created us to continuously eat so that we should continuously elevate all of creation. If someone doesn't like to eat, they have a very big problem. They should come talk to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then we should know how to eat too. Okay. So now let's read inside. Okay, now all of this, initially when Adam Arishan was still in Ganeden, when Adam and Adam was initially, when God created, before he sinned, uh, he didn't have to eat too much. When Adam was in Ganeden, he basically was able to fix everything by connecting things directly to God, not through eating them. How? By calling the names of every creature. When God created the world, Hashem created every, all of existence and all of creation is created by the letters. Which letters? The letters of the Aleph base. The 22 letters of the Aleph base. And the 22 letters of the Alabes make up all the words, make up the language in which God spoke to create the world. The letters, each creature has letters that God spoke. Those letters make up the DNA of that creature. The godly, spiritual DNA of that creature. Now, uh, the, the, the letters that are in, embedded in every creature, in every flower, every, every, every vegetable, every person, every animal, Every, every uh, little creepy stuff, everything. The letters that make up its existence, its true essence. But the creature is oblivious to the divine energy that's creating it. The godly energy becomes swallowed up in the creature that is created from that energy. In other words, even though the creature or being or creation is, has no other source but for that energy, Yet, the way God created it is that it becomes so hidden and obscured, the energy, that the creature doesn't know of the energy, and therefore the creature exists as an independent entity outside of God, separated from God. The only way the creature can become enlightened, the only way the creature could become enlightened and discover the divine energy that's creating it, which means it needs to discover its own name, Every creature has a name that God spoke, which means the divine purpose. What, what in God's mind is the content of this creature and what divine purpose does it serve? That's the name that God gives it. But the creature thinks it's here just to pleasure itself, for its own preservation, not to serve a higher cause, meaning the creature doesn't know its name. And there's no way for the creature to get to know its name because the names are hidden. Because the name is the energy creating it and the creative energy in this world, as it is in the lowest world, is completely concealed and obscured. So how is the creature going to know its name? That's man's job. That's why Adam Arishon in Gan Eden, before he started eating, what was his job? To name all the animals. And that's what he did. Hashem brought all the animals to Adam and Adam named every single one. What does it mean he named them? As soon as he named them, he elevated them 
and in eight, and, and in other words, and he, and, and he made these creatures recognize their, that they're purposeful beings with a divine purpose, and they're here to serve their purpose, and therefore he enlightened them with godly consciousness. consciousness. And then these creatures are living in a very, very, very high, elevated state of consciousness, after Adam named them. Actually, he elevated them so high, and at that time he wouldn't have to eat them. Because just by naming them, they became godly conscious. And then they become kind of extensions of divine energy, as opposed to separate, limited creatures and beings separated from the eighth self. By naming them, they become just a flow. They're in tune with their energy. Their energy is a flow of God. And they become a particular channel for the divine. And therefore, they're part. And when you do that with all creatures, then everything in the world is included in God's unity. So Adam only needed to do was to name these creatures, and that was it. Actually, so the Arizal says that he only got to name the animals, but he never got to name the plants. Actually, I've never told him to name the plants. Maybe if he had an extra couple of days in Gan Eden, he would have named the plants as well, but he didn't get a chance to do that. So he only named the animals, and by doing that, he elevated them so high. And on their own, they're, in the, they're, they're on the same level of consciousness as man. What's the uniqueness of human? So we learned about this many times. The human being is already rectified. The human soul, the Adam soul, not our animal soul. Sometimes we also go into, into unrectified consciousness when we're just living without purpose. But when we're deeply aware of our higher purpose and our higher meaning to our existence, then we're in a consciousness of what's called tikkun, the, the rectified realm. When Adam named the animals, he brought them from the world of Toyu, from the shattered, broken state, which we spoke many times, that all the, all the, all the animals and all the stuff are from the world of Toyu. Toyu means, and, and Toyu couldn't handle the light, so it broke, which means it became just debris, like, 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 like just messed up shards, like pieces that have no connection, where doesn't, well, you don't see its purpose, its reason. So that's, but when Adam names them, he includes them into the world of Tikkun without having to eat them. That's what the Arizal says. But since Adam didn't name, since Adam didn't name the animal, sorry, the vegetables, it says that Hashem brought the animals before Adam and not the vegetables and not the uh, vegetation, I mean, not the plants. And the simple reason is, that's a simple reason. <laughs> For him to name the plants, he would have to go around the whole world to name them because plants are connected to the ground. Um, um, animals, Hashem could bring the animals to him because they live not connected to the earth. But like this, he would have to go around. Okay, maybe Adam would have taken a trip, a world tour. And he would have named all the animals and, every, and all the creatures and all the plants and all that would have been great. He would have elevated the whole world into the unity of God. He didn't get to do that because he got a little caught up with that tree and, and that's what happens and it caused him to fall. So therefore it's interesting. So now God says, if you didn't, you didn't lift them up in the way that I gave you to do that. And once Adam lost his power, once he sinned, he shrunk. His incredible spiritual godly power was taken away from him. So now God says, but he still has some level of, of higher consciousness. God says, the only way you can fix the stuff that you didn't fix yet is through eating them. 
By eating them, you're going to take the, those ve- veget- the potatoes, the carrots, the, 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 the fruits, the apples, the oranges, the cherries, whatever they are, watermelons. You're going to take all these things, or wheat, and you're going to integrate them into human. They'll become part of you, and then they'll be elevated. And that's why God only permitted him to eat vegetation. He had no reason, to, no business to eat the animals, because the animals were already elevated. So God said, you can't eat. It was only because of the sin. So it seems like, it seems from the Yarizal, they begin, they be, animals began to deteriorate. Not right away, because if they would have immediately fought, become disconnected from their name, from their hire, then what? Then Adam should have eat, began eating animals immediately. God only permitted Noah to eat animals. That means for 10 generations, man was not allowed to eat the animals. Why? That Rizal says because they didn't need to be elevated. But it looks like because of the sin, they, their, their elevation that they got from Adam didn't last, and they began falling the animals. Like we see that when, in the generation of the flood, the animals also became corrupted. At that point, God told Noah, who is now the, the, who is the inheritor of Adam, the continuation of Adam, well, you'll have to start eating animals, I'm sorry. And, and Adam said, and Noach, gotta eat that too? It's not enough. It's not enough having a veggie burger. I have to have a meat burger now. And God said, no choice. You gotta eat meat as well. Because, because the animals now also need rectification. So initially, in the beginning, however, Adam, Adam was able to elevate them to just giving them their names. Now, we give them their name by, we can't, we don't have the power just by pronouncing their name and bringing them to enlightenment. We have to take them and bring them into our experience, into us, and we integrate them into the divine through saying Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Hmm? Then they're better not eating. Yes. Oh, so bad. So well, no, but that's the new calories. That's not the old. It could be those calories never made it into the into the davening. They have to. They have, that's why we daven every day. That three times a day davening is to, is to is to burn up as many calories as you can from your body into the divine. We're basically doing what Adam was doing was calling things names. When we're davening, yeah. When we're eating, we're, we're, we're taking the stuff. And when we're davening, we're converting it. Davening, yeah, because by davening, we take the food that we eat, which becomes our energy, and we yearn for God's oneness. When we yearn for God's oneness, we turn all those, all those stuff that once didn't know of Hashem into a state of attachment. In that yearning and in that desire, they're already attached. They reach ultimate attachment after davening when a person studies Torah. That's actually, we'll see later, that's when they completely become unified with Hashem. When they become calories of a mitzvah or calories of Torah study, then they become completely unified with God. Let's see. The idea of Vayikra Adam Shemais, that Adam called Names it's not understood. Based on what it says in Sefer Shel of Tanya, he's asking a question. 
What does it mean, Adam? Simply it says that Adam called things names. It means, it means until Adam named things, they didn't have a name. Hold it. But doesn't it say in Tanya that the name of something is the energy that creates that object? That means that the object, that the things had a name before Adam named them. You can't say Adam was the one who called, who named the lion an Aryeh. That means before he named him Aryeh, and the lion was not Aryeh, or Ari. If the lion was not Ari, a lion is in Hebrew Ari. If the lion was not Ari, how did it exist? It's the Aleph, Resh, and Yud that combined together to make the, the etymology of a lion, the DNA of the lion. That's what he's saying. Is the tziruf that's already enlivening him. Which is derived from the ten utterances. And if so, they already had names before the creation of Adam. Because the human being was created last. If you so, and, and everything was created before him. And he's only naming them later. After the creation of all mineral and of all vegetation and of all animal. And we say that Hashem created the human being on purposely last. So he shouldn't be able to brag and think he's the big, big shot. God says even an, a gnat was created before you. That even a mosquito comes before you. Who do you think you are? Even a mosquito was created before you. So you see that you must created last. If the human was created last, and he is the one who names the creatures, and the names are what gives them life, how do they live before Adam names them? The answer is, in you know the idea is like we said, when he named them, doesn't mean that he gave them their name. It means he revealed their name. He didn't name them. The names were there before. He had the wisdom to penetrate the DNA of every, what today they need, all the scientific instruments, in order to be able to measure and to be able to see DNA, Adam was able to see that immediately when he saw an object. Imagine that. Thousands of years later, with all the scientific instruments, we can now see DNA. Adam was able to see, the, and more than that, he, even when we see DNA, we're not seeing the divine letters. So we're seeing DNA to a certain degree, but we don't know how to read them further. Very soon, science, once Mashiach comes, science is going to start reading the next level. When they're going to read DNA, they're going to see the divine letters. They're going to be able to interpret it, how this is a hay, this is a gimel. Right? Like, you know, the famous, uh, the famous thing that was floating around. The last year it came out, it was floating around on the WhatsApps. And a few years ago it was also, the guy saw that in the DNA of, I forgot what, the strings they're attaching with bridges. And the bridges are every 10, every 5, every 6, and every 5. You can see the bridges that are holding together the strands of that make up the very fabric of stuff, of a, of a cell, I'm not exactly sure, is Yud Kevavke. So today science can see that. Adamarishan saw it already then, when he looked at every creature, he was able to see the unique DNA of godly, divine DNA of each creature. And he drew them down. He uncovered them, allowing the creature to unlock 
its energy and thereby function in conjunction, oh, that's rhymes, function in conjunction with the energy that's creating it. Meaning instead of ignoring the energy that's creating it, function in, in unison and as a continuation and in accordance to the will of the energy creating it. That's what he says, and by revealing their names, he elevated them. He elevated them from being creations and separated from God to becoming continuations of the divine and therefore included in the infinite, in Hashem. And why does man have that power? How come we're saying that all creatures didn't know their names until man came and he gave them all their name? And that's only because man is the only creature in this world that doesn't come from the shattered, from the shattered realm. Everything else is created. All other creatures in the physical planet are created through a process of shattering. Shattering means a disconnect from their source. So if they disconnected from their source, they're not aware of their divine energy. They become ignorant of, the, of it. Only Adam, who is a continuation without a collapse, the energy never broke by him, so he has the memory from above, the awareness from above. It's from the world of Tikkun. Which has Bittl. The reason... The tikkun is, is, is under the influence of chachma. Chachma is koyach ma. The power of ma. Ma is bitl. The power of complete surrender to the source. Ma shenkein detzach, which isn't the case of doimim tzermeachai. Hem they come from the world of toyu. And therefore they have no way of knowing their source. Va'al yedei kriyas Hashem mois mehelem elagiloi. And when Adam Arishan called out their names, from the concealed to the revealed, in other words, by him pronouncing their name and therefore revealing them from the concealed, him He drew forth in them the Indian of the bitl. So now too they have bitl as well, which means they're integrated into the experience of man who has bitl Tashem, which is the Kayach of Ma, the power of Tikkun. Where do you have such an example? of an animal that's living with human consciousness. While it's an animal. We have today animals living in human consciousness, like the famous Fabrengen, you know, the famous story with the Chassidim that was sitting. There was a good, there was a good Fabrengen going on amongst the Chassidim, I think in the days of the, the Rebbe Rashab. And they were having, older the Chassidim, maybe the Rebbe Marash, they were having a, 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 a Gavaldiga Fabrengen. But you know, a fabrenga needs fuel. If you don't provide pickles, crackers, a little bit of hummus, uh, no one is coming. The divratora is great, but people want to eat. That's just the way it is. That's what it says, that's what it is. Well, no, whenever there's a fabrenga, there has to be food. Without food, no one is coming. Okay? You put out over here sushi, um, wings, stuff like that. We'll have a, sh a shul, 90 people here. That's right. So if you give them food, they'll come. In any case, by the Fabrengen, by the Fabrengen, they were sitting and they, they were eating and they were Fabrengen and they were listening and they were singing deep Hasidic songs. They were in a very high place. But they ran out of the food. 
They didn't have, they were poor those days, they didn't have too much to begin with. You know, they put out a little bit of whatever. A little herring, a little black bread, and that was it. Oh, a little onions. Shine. They ran out of food. So the guy, uh, the person uh, who had the Fabrengan in his house, I think it was Reb Shmuel Batzalel, uh, needed something. So he fired up the grill, and he had one, 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 uh, one sheep. He had a sheep there that he got a goat or whatever that he got milk from. He shechted it. He was a sheichet. He shechted it, and then they uh, made a barbecue, and they put some flesh on the thing, and they had more. And the fabrengen went on till the early morning, because they had what to eat to keep them going, and they were going. Now it's five o'clock in the morning, and this Shmuel Batzal's wife gets up. You know it's cold, but she puts on her scarf and everything, and she goes out to the backyard, and she wants to go milk the goat. And there's no goat. She's looking here and there. There's no goat. She's getting a little worried. Maybe the thieves came. Someone broke in, stole the goat. What happened with the goat? Get out! She starts. She's smelling. She comes into the kitchen. She sees some extra bones over there. She's wondering where this meat come from. She follows the truths. Anyway, she finds the <laughs> she finds the skin, the leftover. You know, the men they had the fabrengen, but they didn't clean up too well either. They just left a mess. Anyway, she finds a dead goat. Anyways, her husband was in trouble. And she's, she starts yelling at him. This is our only livelihood. What did you do? How did you kill the goat? What have you done with it? We need this goat. What are we going to do? The goat is gone. And he says to her, gone? Gone? It's not gone. It's, it's, it's here. He says, where is he? He says, yesterday he was going bad, bad, bad. And now it's saying, echad, echad. The same goat. It doesn't, nothing disappears. The only thing we can do in life is we convert things from one form to another form. So before it was screaming bear, like I don't know what a goat's, but the story, I, whenever I tell the story, I always have a problem because only goats give milk. Sheep don't really give milk. So it has to be a story of a goat, but a goat doesn't go bear. But the story that I heard is that a goat says bear. And now it's saying echot. So I have to really reconcile the story that it should be correct. But whatever it is, the goat had the meaning to say that this is the idea that it's now included in Echot, right? So when the goat is saying Shema Yisrael, Shema Lechem, but how is it saying Shema Yisrael, Shema Lechem, only after it went into the Hasidim. What was he really saying? He's saying because we fabrenged with the goat, we ate it, and we all walked away from the fabrengen with a higher consciousness, Hasidic and when we daven the next day, we davened with extra fervor from last night's fabrengen. And when we said echod, the goat was screaming echod. So how is the goat now? So it exists. It, for sure, more than that, it, it, it exists so much stronger than ever before. It exists now as part of Hashem echod, as opposed to this little, silly little goat. Now it's included in God's unity. But... We see from here the only way we can elevate an animal is only after we take it in. Do we ever have a case? But Adam Arishon elevated the animals without eating them, just by naming them. Do we have an example of that? So we do. Rapinchas ben Yair, one of the 
one of the great sages had a donkey. And that donkey was a very, very, very famous donkey. The reason why it was such a famous donkey, because it was a kosher donkey. Now, all donkeys are not kosher. But this is not, well, not only was it a kosher donkey, it was a Haredi donkey. It was a donkey hachamor Haredi. It was a very from donkey. How was it from? Usually, you know, we, the, the, the animals eat whatever they have. This donkey would not eat unless, automatically, unless the, the tithing was completed from the straw, from the, from the whatever they gave him. Once you took, once you took, not, once at, you're supposed to give certain gifts. So Rapinchas ben Yoyer would give the gifts, then his donkey would eat. If you were to put food down, even if it's the favorite food, I don't know what donkeys get into, but they have, they have certain kind of straw, whatever they eat. If you give that food to this donkey and it was not taken miser from, it did not touch the food. And the reason for that is, because simply you say, something, in many places it says, the holiness of Rapinchas ben Yoyer went into his donkey. And because Rapinchas ben Yoyer was so holy, that he was such a God-fearing Jew, even his possessions can fear God. His holiness extended that even his possessions had fear, fear of God. That's why the sages say, there's a famous thing the sages say. The sages say that if the earlier generations were like angels, we're like people. And if the earlier generations are like people, we're like donkeys. And the sages say, but you should know when we say we're like donkeys, not like the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer. We are regular donkeys, not a refined, elevated donkey like Rapinchas ben Yoyer. What do you see from there? Just from that, Arizal says. Arizal says. You see from here that the sages said that they don't compare to the, their bodies, their human consciousness, is less than Rapinchas ben Yoyer's donkey. That means he had a higher bittel to Hashem than and the sages had. And the, and the Tanoim, the Amaroyim had. Why? It's because that donkey was still left over from the donkeys, from the animals that Adam Arisho named. Now it doesn't mean that Arizal, I don't think that Arizal means he was an actually an ancient donkey. Like, that was way back from then. But for whatever reason, the impact that Adam Arishan had on certain animals, this animal was a certain breed that for whatever reason was remnant, was, was still a leftover from the initial elevation of Adam Arishan. And the elevation that Adam Arishan elevated the animals, Adam elevated all animals to a higher level of consciousness than even we people have today. Even our, and not just today, even then that Amaroyim had then the animals that other Marishan lifted them up were on a higher level of awareness of the Abishter. This donkey was from amongst that group. For whatever reason, all other animals um, fell from that level, this donkey did not fall. Like the donkey, this donkey of Repinchas ben Yoyer was on the level of animal from the six days of creation. Shetiknam Adam Arishon 
Then Adam Arishan fixed them, Al by calling them names. Like it says in Lakuti Torah, which is from the Arizal. This is not the same Lakuti Torah that we learn. Lakuti Torah from the Ari and Parshas Ekev, Betame, Mitzvah, Ayn Sham. I looked it up, and that's where he discusses his whole idea of how Adam Arishan fixed everything through names. And then we have to fix through eating. But this donkey was one of those elements. But he says that as, as much as he says, our fixing through eating is not on the same level like, like other Marishan fixed like called by calling names. And I guess when Mashiach comes, we might be so people ask me the question: when Mashiach comes, will we still eat animals? It's possible that once human beings are elevated back to the level of other Marishan, we won't have to eat them, we can just elevate them by naming them. And by just naming all the animals, we will be able to elevate them without having to eat them. I, 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 I don't know what the people with, who are vegetarian, what, what, what their level is. Um, everything is possible. I can't say that that's... That that's uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just because people become vegetarian, I'm not sure that that's... That they're on, the, they're already at a Mashiach Tiga level, and I, I, I don't think so. But in any case, but maybe subconsciously there is already some kind of a tikkun in the world. They don't have to eat meat. I'm not exactly sure. Look what it says in the end of that mimer. There he explains that we find today's days that we also have a power a little bit to be able to call things and to make them holy by calling them. That's the whole concept of making a vow. When you make a vow and you say, this thing is going to be holy to me and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not eating so-and-so or this is, this thing has, a, has, has the holiness of a karma. But just speaking it, you're, you're, you're ready. It, it gets a certain kedusha. So you see from there that similar to other Marishon, we do have a power through speech. But again, today's days it's vastly reduced. That's why we can't fix the world through just calling names. Adam was able to do that in his days. For Amnam, and that's why he says over here, Achshav, now, Anutzrichim Levarcham, now we need to bless them. How do we bless all the creatures? By eating them. And we will make a blessing on them by eating them and make a blessing on them. And there's two blessings. The blessing we make before we eat. And as we're going to see later in the Mimer, the blessing we say before we eat is just a little stimulator. It's a little stimulator to awaken the sparks of holiness that are there. It's like waking, when you're, it's amazing. It's so amazing. I pity all the people, I pity every single person in the world who didn't come to this class. This is like unbelievable. Unbelievable, look at this, unbelievable. Everybody should, everybody should be here tonight. This is unbelievable. Take a look what we're learning over here. And let me explain. When you make a bracha, shahakol you activate actually the spark a little bit in the food that it should allow itself to be inspired. You perk it up. Basically, the sparks of holiness are sleeping. They're in a deep slumber. By saying a bracha before, you cause it to stir, to awaken, to awaken from its sleep. And then the eating itself is the extraction. It's, it's inactive. The spark is like almost like in a state of, uh, and therefore you can't, there's nothing to do with that spark when it's kind of dead. 
when it says if it's. So you have to like awaken it. The bracha before we eat is just a stirring. He uses later the mashal. It's like waking someone up from sleep. So you're, you're awaking those sparks up so that they're now ready to be elevated. Then you eat them with the... And if you're eating them from a human place, then you're elevating it from the animal kingdom or from the vegetarian world and you're elevating it into human. And then the human, especially when later, when he davens, he elevates the food, his entire body, with all the food, within the entire zoo that you have inside of you. Every day... You are, you are made up a little bit of a zoo and a little bit of the botanical garden. And between the, botani- the botanical garden and, and, and the zoo that's in you, you have, to, you have to elevate. And you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? I tell you, I tell you, see, today's is such gewaldige thoughts are coming. It's not, I mean, when I was learning it, it's a, in the, in the, in the, the, he's going to explain soon that that's the idea of Yivarechacha Hashem. God should bless you and should protect you. It's this work of making brachas, of an neshama coming into the world and collecting the sparks through eating, and then elevating those sparks. That's the blessing that we have. Yevarecha Hashem. Hashem should bless you. That we should, that we should have an abundance of sparks to wake up. In other words, that we should be that that that, that wherever we turn, when we when we're that we should be very successful. In, in, in producing, that's our production of crop. The neshama gets planted, we're going to soon see. The neshama gets planted in this world. The neshama is so holy, what's it doing down here? The neshama is being planted down here in a body, in a certain way, rotting a little bit, when it's in a body down here in the physical world. But in order that it should grow forth a crop, what's its crop? The crop is all these sparks of holiness that it's elevating. But it says that when you're coming, this is so amazing, when you're coming back and you're davening, since you're davening, your whole point of davening is to give a piggyback ride to all these chickens and creatures and fish and all these stuff that should be elevated through the human, they're all hopping on for a ride into the oneness of God through the person. So since you're, you're rising from the world, from the darkness, with an entire zoo behind you of all the creatures and of sparks, since they're so lonely, it's possible that they will project their lowliness into the person who's davening. And because of that, when the person is davening, he's not davening with the elegance of an neshama. He's davening a little bit with the coarseness of, of, uh, of the food that you ate, of a cow. And what is that going to do to him? If you're not careful, it's going to throw into a person a certain thought that a person feels so proud of his prayer. And at first, it's going to inject in the person's prayer the cow. No, if, he, if he's not careful. If he's not careful in his machshava, basically, why is it when davening sometimes, and we, daven, we finally get a good moment, right away we feel, oh, I'm davening so well, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> the moment you're thinking you're so proud of yourself, that's already klipa that went right, in, that went right into it. Where did the klipa come from? It's because you're davening today, not just your neshama is davening, but it's bringing along with it all this stuff. They're essentially coarse. So they're, and they're coming from a very coarse place. So they're going to, they're going to like have an imprint on the davening. That's why we say, Yivarecha HaHashem, the should guard you. He should guard you that the klippas that are in, on, 
And because some of that klipa is coming along for the ride. You're taking the sparks, but the sparks have not yet been washed and clean. They're still stinky a little bit from where they were for a very long time in the klipa, in this, un, in this non-godly state. And now they are bringing, you're bringing that into your davening. If your neshama would daven without that stuff, your neshama's davening would be so, so selfless and so without any self-awareness. The fact that you're getting these thoughts of self-awareness and this, and while you're davening, that's coming from the, from the different foods that you eat. And that's even if the food that you're eating is perfectly kosher. We're living in today's world where, you know, every, the whole kosher industry became so industry, became so commercialized. It's probably so much chas that's, you know, that can slip in that's not kosher. It's scary. Used to be that everybody made their own food and everything was kosher because you did, you yourself took it to the butcher, you yourself washed it, you cleaned it. Today, when everything is commercial, imagine what kind of darkness can get into a person as a result of the non-kosher stuff. But I'm not talking about that. Even if it's kosher, it's still coarse and thick. And even when it's being elevated, it means even when a person is struggling to daven correctly with the food, it's still schlepping along, as I said before, you're, you're carrying with yourself a whole zoo. And that zoo has its, its, its noise. You ever go to a zoo, it makes a lot of noise? From the cages. That's gonna throw, it's gonna make noise. And that's what makes a lot of noise during davening. We shouldn't get upset about it. Because you realize that's fulfilling your purpose. If you're coming, more than that, if you're coming back as a beautiful angelic soul without bringing any, any animals with you, your prayer has zero power. <laughs> if you're not bringing from the zoo with you, you're not bringing the botanical garden with you, if you're not bringing sparks of holiness from the lower world, which is really from a higher world, which is the world of Toyu, you're absolutely useless. No, no one needs your prayer. It's a prayer of a neshama for that while, well, who cares? It's because the neshama, it's because all these creatures are, are, are catching a ride, they're carpooling. <laughs> it's amazing. They're, because all these animals and, and things are carpooling with your neshama for the ride, and they're noisy in the back seat. That's what's making your whole prayer delicious by Hashem. But obviously, you know, you're going to have some dogs and cats in the back seat, they're going to make some noise. So there's going to be all that noise during prayer. Don't get worried. It's a whole new insight of why there's so much noise happening during davening in our heads. Yeah, and it's a lot of noise. A lot of chickens making a lot of noise in the back of the head. If you're davening very nicely and you don't hear any noise, that means you have to eat some more chicken. Obed um, is that. This is unbelievable. And now it's like oh, the song Old McDonald. Oh, you know, and a quack quack there, and a quack quack there, you know, all, the, all this noise that's happening. Now we need a bench there. Because the Arizal is trying to explain once other Marisha named all the animals, and if you ever elevated them, why would we have to uh, eat them now? They were elevated before. So because the sin, they, they fell back down. Ayin Shal. Who bitters and how is the person now elevate them? It's when the person eats the food. 
from the domain, from the inanimate, from the animal, and from the and from the plant. And he makes a bracha on them in the beginning and at the end. Through this, they're now being elevated and included in the man, in the human. In that mimer, Pashas Emor, um, which is a mimer relating to Shavuos. So over there, he explains it by Richos, the effect that the human has on the animals and on the food by person eating it, how he elevates them. And this is the meaning, Vizarati as Beis Yisrael. Hashem says, I will plant the house of Israel. What does that mean? We are the seeds. You say, Vizarati Chitim, I will plant wheat. God says, I will plant the house of Israel. The house of Israel are the seeds. Where do you put seeds? In the ground. Hashem throws our neshamas down. He, he spreads our souls down in bodies, in physical bodies. Our souls are very holy. What are we doing in bodies? Just like when you put seeds in the ground, what's going to happen? It's going to grow, but it's not going to grow back a seed. It's going to grow back so much more than what you put in. So too, put a Jew in the ground. He's going to come back with a host of stuff that he's going to bring with him. And what is that? That's all the food that we eat. And this is the meaning and the food and the clothing we wear and everything else we utilize. And, and, and as a result of our daily activity of Torah and mitzvahs, and primarily through prayer, all this stuff gets elevated. And these are the gerim that we're supposed to convert. That's why it says that the Abish sent us amongst the exile so that we will increase gerim, converts. Who are these converts? Converts is all this stuff that we're elevating. This is a light that's planted. What does Hashem plant? There's a passage that says, Oyer Zarua, light. The Nishamas are light because they come from the world of Tikkun. There's no darkness in them. They're pure light. They have a pure, godly truth, awareness. But Hashem plants that Nisham. Oyer Zarua, who unofficially kiss, is the godly soul. Mema, the Tikkun, is more in the fridge. And I'll give you, no, no, but I was going to, Shkoyach. Mema, the Tikkun, kisses from the godly soul. Which is where? Where does the neshama come from? The neshama, as we learned so many times, doesn't need any tikkun. The neshama is rectified. Because the neshama was already nesakin, mimad the tikkun. It's from the Shem Memhei, the name of 45, which is Gematria Adam. That's why Adam, the natural kiss is Adam. From the world of tikkun. Shenislapsha was enclosed, beguf, in a body. Venefesha Bahamas, it was enclosed in an animal soul. For what purpose? Lahalois to elevate, ulevarer and to and to purify. Hare, I have. Oh no, no, put it on that table. Hareish peches netutzim to bring up the two hundred eighty-eight sparks. The two hundred eighty-eight sparks. These two hundred eighty-eight sparks need to be elevated. And where are these two eighty-eight sparks? They're the trillions of sparks of holiness that need to be elevated. Through this, that later the person says, Echad, Shema Yisrael, Shem Lekein Hashem Echad, God is the only one. And Vahafta, and he, Vahafta means I, a person is driven, I want to be part of that oneness. And how does the person say, Yit Bekoyach Masha Ochal? The person says, Shema Yisrael, and, 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 and Vahafta, with the power from what he ate. With the power of from what he ate, and what he drank. And so, therefore, all these 288 sparks are now elevated. 
Amazing. The only reason we have to daven every day is because of the food that we eat. Otherwise, for your neshama, for your nefesh kiss, one time davening would have been good enough in your lifetime. You have to daven every day. The neshama is the same neshama. Your neshama is not a new neshama every day. Neshama is the same neshama. Your body is a new body every day. Because the, the cells of the person's body are constantly rotated every few days. You're a complete new body. Um, and like we spoke earlier, become unified. From the chayus, from the life force of the food. And they need to be elevated. Every day you need to elevate your body, the food that you ate that day. And that is through prayer. Which is called the raising of feminine waters. That means that the world, which is the female, receiving from God, who is the male, is now rising towards Hashem. In the Mesiras Nefesh, so really the drive to the Mesiras Nefesh is coming from the Neshama. But by Neshama eating the food and sparking the spark that's in the food, he kind of picks up all this energy and they suddenly become part of a powerful, powerful inferno of powerful yearning to be included in a chot. In the reciting of the Shema and in davening. That's, and that's when the person is called a ladder. So what are you in this world? What's a human being? The Abishta puts us in this world to become the ladder. What is a ladder? A ladder is that only through a ladder can, the peop- can, can those that are in the lower plane go up to the higher plane. Without a ladder, they're stuck. Without the human being here in the world, without, and when we say without the human, without the human means without me, without you, without each and every one of us, there are no ladders. So the lower world and the higher world will remain forever disconnected. And that's a big, 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 pathetic Rahmanis on the lower world because it will always remain finite and therefore meaningless in the true sense of meaning, meaningless. But when it connects to Hashem and becomes included in God, it becomes as true as God is, as infinite, and it becomes real and absolute and, and timeless and whatever else. So, but for that it needs a ladder. And the human being is the ladder. And how do you, how do you have things going up the ladder? First you have to eat. Without eating you don't even begin to affect the world. You hear Michi? That's all. First is we have to eat. Then we have to make the next step. We have to make sure that the food that's taken in on the lowest rung of the ladder should actually climb the ladder of higher elevation. That comes through elevating our consciousness. And we reach the highest peak of consciousness when we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekein Hashem Achad. And all the, all the, as we said earlier, the chicken walks up the ladder, the cucumber walks up the ladder, and the... And the and it, because you're really getting... First of all, the food you're eating right before davening is anyway not digested yet. It's not part of your energy yet. It usually takes a while until it starts becoming energy. So it's yesterday's. The reason why you don't eat before davening, Adarab, is because when you're eating, you actually also have to have already some kind of a human consciousness. Not just enough by davening that later you get that consciousness. While you're approaching the food itself, you have to be already an Adam. And that comes after davening. So davening actually creates the conditions the person, davening conditions the person to be able to eat. Then you eat, and you take the food in, 
and it's already an elevated state, and but that's not, but it's only, it's only semi-elevated, and then by the next prayer, when this food has already become part of your physical energy, and that energy becomes part of your neshama's energy, because the physical energy and the soul's energy become completely intertwined, and when the neshama is yearning for echad, it's actually creating a physical excitement that you can feel in the physical heartbeat. If a yid is davening the way he should be, his heart is going a little faster. That means the blood is pumping faster. That means it's a physical movement. And as we said, there's a burning of calories. And all of that is burning up into God. So now the food is becoming included in Echad, in Wamas. Through that ladder. Uh, now he says, And on this planting, that the Abishta planted all Neshamas, in order that we should give forth a crop, Crop, it's amazing. Think about it. Hashem plants a neshama, and, and after 120 years, the neshama has to come back with a tremendous crop of what? Animal, vegetable, and mineral that he included in oneness of God. Every person has a chunk of this world that needs to be elevated. So on this planting and on this crop that grows, Nehemiah it says, Hashem The first pasuk. Hashem should bless you and He should guard you. What's the bracha? The bracha is the Yisrusa Deli'ela. The Abishter gives us a bracha. Yisrusa Deli'ela means He gives us an empowerment from above that when we go into the world, our neshamas, we should not get lost and hunkered down by the body, but we should have the ability that the seed should successfully decay, but it should successfully grab in the earth, produce that take the sparks, which in the mushal means produce the crop of all the, of all the wheat that's going to grow up. So in this case, oh, so, and as we said earlier, but you also need shmirah. And I told you why do we need shmirah is because since your longing to the abishter is coming from cucumbers and from whatever else, it's included as a whole zoo and a whole botanical garden joining into your davening, they're able to add their garupkite into your davening. And I mentioned this earlier, that the, it's an amazing thing he says in the Mimer that, when, that, that, that the reason why it's possible that a person gets such gaiva, middle davening thoughts of self-importance like he's impressed with his own davening if it's possible that a person is impressed with his own davening it's, it's, it's because the chicken gave you that thought it's because you're taking parts of this world which are so far from Elikos and they're so stuck in themselves and now you're bringing them they still, they're still retaining some of their grubkite and they're putting it. That's why you need a special shmira that the Avisha should protect, that these clippers that were hanging on the, on the food should not impart their grubkite into, into this process. And this is called bracha beroish, the bracha at the beginning. Because you can be later, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a phrase that says bracha beroish, a bracha in the beginning, and bracha besoif, and a bracha at the end. So this is the brach at the beginning. This is the empowerment, lechatchila, to be able to be successful in the Yisrusa de Letata, the Yisrusa that, that we should be able to pick things up. The Amshach is HaKoyach Yisrusa de Le'ela. This is Amshach of Koyach from Yisrusa de Le'ela, from an arousal from above. Liyois Yisrusa de Letata. That there should be an arousal from below. Bebracha v'hatzlacha. That we should have success doing it. Just like every time when someone is going to do a field, he's going to plant a field. You bless him, you should have success. Sometimes a guy plants and plants and he, and he reaps only a little. 
So here is a person comes into this world and he's bringing very little back. Every yid brings something. But we want it to be a very rich crop. This guy is bringing back tons. He's elevating so much of the world. It should be so many in the Kedusha. So much should come back. Good. That's the first. That's Yivarecha Hashem Ve'yishmerecha. It's a bracha for eating. Think about it. It's the bracha that we should be successful in the eating that we eat. And again, eating is a general term, even though he doesn't say it over here. It probably includes all the other usage that a person uses the worldly stuff. Like clothing and this and that. All that becomes part of the crop that we need to bring back. What's the significance of the second bracha? Which bracha? Second bracha, Yo'er Hashem That Hashem should illuminate his face. Here's the thing. person is now driving up, whether we said before, carpooling. He's driving up with all these animals and all these creatures are all in his car. And he's bringing them up, up, up higher ta'atzilus. He's bringing it into a state of unity with God. How does he bring it to a state? Through the yearning that the person is saying, I want to be one with you, Hashem. So you've achieved an elevation. But it's not truly, truly yet assimilated into the Eberster's oneness. It's basically in a state where it desires to be included in God's oneness, but it's not included in Hashem's oneness yet. What's the next stage? The Eberster has to come down and pick up the sparks. And when the, the godly light from above, from Hashem, comes to meet our efforts, and Hamshacha comes down from above, on top of what we've brought up, that fully cooks it. What we do is only, only, only a partial bake, partial cooking. We cook it a little bit. It's not yet red. It's not yet ready for human consumption. Then the Abishter's light goes upon those sparks that we've elevated, and it can only be fixed completely, which means to become totally included in the oneness of Hashem, only through the Abishter beaming his MS on, on it. It's like, I'll give you an example to that. Uh, when, in, uh, uh, I don't know if I didn't see this example, it's just occurring to me right now, but I think this would be the right example. In yeshiva, when you're, when you're a very young, you have a rabbi, a teacher, who teaches you a class in Gemara. And he teaches the Gemara, that's it. Well, you might do some Chazara, but that's just that you should really be able to assimilate it with teacher. When you get older and you go into the higher grades in yeshiva, you learn the Gemara yourself. You with a chavrusa sit, you, you learn the Gemara, no one taught it to you, you learn it yourself. But after you learn the Gemara, you go to the Shir. Now what's the point of going to the Shir? Now that you know the sugya already, you know it already, but the knowing that we know it is coarse. It, you know it, but you don't have the sharpness, you don't have the edelkeit, the refinement. You go, the, 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 the stronger the magachir is, the higher, the more refined he is to be able to see the nuances of the sugya, to be able to cut away, because the students are coming in, they still have a lot of junk, even though they think they know it, there's a lot of stuff that are not exactly correct. The, 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 when, the, when, the, when, the, when the teacher, when the magachir is going to come and he's going to relearn the sugya with the students, based on what they know already. They know the Machlechus of Rashi and Tesis, but they don't have it sharp out. He's going to give them the extra clarity and then their minds are going to become included in the higher le level of learning. That's called the Yisrusa Deliela, the teaching from above, purifies what they know already and elevates it to a higher level of knowledge. So it says that 
concept was the idea of Yosef and the Shvatim. The Alter Rebbe has a long mimer. We learned it a couple of years ago. That we were sheaving sheaves in the field. So we know that it says that the, uh, that the brothers are standing there sheaving, their, sheaving sheaves. And then it says, what did Yosef dream? They all bowed down to his sheave. They didn't like it, the brothers. They really didn't like it. The, the brothers are like students who think they know the whole sugi. They don't want to go to the shir afterwards. Because they say, I know it already. Right, who does he think he is, this maggot shir? He's going to teach it to me. The brothers thought that they can achieve already the ultimate elevation. Sheaves are what? These are before they became sheaves, they were what? Scattered, scattered um, pieces of, 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 of um, wheat. Scattered. Uh, so they're still in the world of Pirud. When you make a sheave means you're saying Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Achad. You're bundling it together. They thought they're done already. But it's not enough. After they're done, it has to bow down to Yosef because Yosef has to reprocess what they processed already and bring it in to the actual unity of God. And the reason is because there, they come from, the Shvatim spiritually come from Malchus. Malchus is considered part of the creation. So with Malchus is the highest the creation can elevate something. Yosef is from Yisait. Yisait is still a part of the Ze'eranpin. So therefore Yosef is part of the Ein Sof. He's the extension of God. And therefore as high as a creation can recognize God's unity, it's very, very coarse compared to the way God knows his own unity. The Abishter's knowledge of how unified all of existence is with him is infinitely, infinitely, endlessly sharper and stronger than even the biggest, biggest, highest creation, most sublime creation appreciating that unity. Any type of appreciation of the Abishter's unity, the way I, the density of a creation is still thick. No matter how refined it is, it's still thick. Compared to how the Abishter understands his unity. So when the Abishter beams his MS, and that's what Yosef was bringing, onto the, onto, the, onto the thing, he refined it and elevated it and complete. That's the second level of bitter. And that's complete assimilation and complete attachment of the sparks to Elokos. That's the meaning of the second Pasuk. You should have koyach in the hala, that you should be able to elevate things. And after you elevate it, the Abishter should shine his face, which we're going to see soon, his face is chachma. Chachma is koyach ma. The power of the Abishter's face is from chachma. A lecha to you, to the sparks of holiness that you've already elevated, and to complete that that bitter and that purification. That's the second brach. And this is in, in Kabbalah, this is called the unity of man and mad. Mad and ban. Or ma and ban. Sometimes we say the unity of ma and ban, Yitzhak and Rivka. Also of mad and man. Mad is ma and duchrin. Um, and then man. And like another example for this in the physical world how is a child created? Child is created, the mother produces an egg. The woman produces an egg. Where does the egg come from? The potential of the child. The egg comes from the food that she ate. She eats. The mother eats. Now her body begins a process of digesting and, and, and cleaning the food. So she does a purification. The, the, the ovulation that she ovulates is from the purest of the pure. She purifies the food, purifies till the finest of the fine becomes that 
becomes the, the egg. Then comes the sperm from the male, and that has to connect itself to the, to the ovulation, to the egg. And only that can a child be born. Now that she can elevate it to a certain degree, but then he has to come and pick up from where she, she completed her, her, her elevation. This is the, and this in the cosmos is the idea of Malchus elevating, and then the energy comes from above to meet that. That's the second, the Yichum. So that's what he's saying over here. The Inyan Bracha Shniya, what's the idea of the second Bracha? Yorashem Panavalech, he, Hamshach Asmad, it's the drawing down of Mayan Dukhrin, masculine waters. Sha'achar Allah Asman, after we've elevated the feminine waters, the Serusa de Latata Hanal. And this is Serusa de Latata, this is Eris from below. Even though the halos man, the raising of the feminine waters, is called the birur, omnam ikur shleimus habirur, the main shleimus of the birur, einoi elu laachashanim shacham shachas mad. Only after this daham shacha of mayin duchrin masculine waters, al haman on top of the feminine waters, umevadin haman, and it purifies the feminine waters. Who Indian? And this is the idea. We say it also Friday night. By the Kegavna, we say it should be Echod be Echod. What does it mean it should be Echod be Echod? Echod from above, Echod from below. So the Echod from below is Malchus all week long. The Shechina is not in a state of Echod. I mean, she herself is, but her creation is completely scattered. It's full of creatures and beings that are, that are not joined in in harmony. There's still a lot of war, there's still a lot of, a lot of, if ever the whole world would be filled with bittel, then ever the world would be a holy, godly, wonderful place. The world is not yet echad. Comes Friday night, and Malchus takes all the work that all the Yidden did through all their eating and drinking, and all goes up into the Shechina, and now the Shechina rises with a collection of all these sparks, and they're all in a state of echad, a state of unity. One with her, one with the Eibishter, one with the Emes. But then there has to come down, the higher echad has to overtake her echad to elevate her echad into a higher echad. The echad as it is mitzad de mashpia is much higher than the echad that it is mitzad de makam. That's why it says usually the echad that there is in Malchus is not even echad. It's vo'ed. You take the word echad and you translate the letters, it becomes void. It's already a translation of echad. It's not real echad. So, but when the echad gets touched, when the vo'ed gets touched by the echad, so the lower unity is now included in the higher unity. And it's a total, a total fusion. So, v'gam, v'inyin, 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 through the higher echad of the higher unity, in the lower echad of the raising of the feminine waters, the lower unity, which in Hasidus I mentioned earlier, the lower unity is va'ed, the higher unity is echad. And in Hasidus it explains, the lower unity means there is a world, I'm still margish the world, but I know that God is the power behind the world. The higher unity is there's nothing but Him, there's no world even. It's not Abish there, it's only Him. The worlds are just him, nothing else but him. As opposed to there is a world that's surrendered to him. So the lower unity has to become integrated and assimilated in the higher unity. 
Through this, the Maya Nukfin, the feminine waters are elevated. The Nichlal, and it becomes unified and included by Yehudi Mamish, literally in the higher Yichud. Look in that mimer of where this has been discussed. According to the first Pirush, now the Rebbe gives another Pirush, that who really gains from this marriage, from this fusion of the higher Echad with the lower Echad, who is gaining? Simply you learn, it's the lower Echad that's gaining. Malchus is being elevated. The, the, the lower unity is now being enhanced. It's like the kids who come to the... It's like the, kid, the, the, the little... The, 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 the yeshiva bachram who come to the shir. Who's illuminated by the shir? The, 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 the students. They have now a much sharper understanding of the, of the sugya than the, the, the teacher. But the Amma says it's not that way. Because when the teacher, when the students get it, what does it do to the teacher? It enhances his understanding of the sugya because the coarser minds of the students who are able to understand it, it actually enhances his understanding as well. So therefore the Rebbe is saying over here another idea. The higher echad becomes sharper because the lower echad became in, enlightened. Because Malchus received the unity from the higher echad, even the higher echad becomes enlightened. Where do you see that? Because we know that Adam... Adam and Chava represent these two. Chava represents the lower unity, because she's Malchus, the source of creation. Adam represents the higher. Adam is Ma, 45. Adam is Gematria Ma, the 45. Total Bittl, Kayach Ma. Yudke Vavke, total oneness. Very high. But yet it says that what? That Adam was considered only a half a body until he married Chava. Once he married her, what happened to him? He too reached the Shlemus. So that means that we shouldn't think that it's only for Malchus. The gain of this marriage is only for her. The gain of this marriage is for him as well. That even the higher unity is elevated through the elevation of the of the lower unity. He's not called Adam right over here. Only the general klal of male and female together. And now it's called Echad. And that's why the Knesset Yisrael is called Tamasi, the one who completes me. Tamasi means those who complete me. The one who makes Shlemus. Both Pirushim are Emes. The lower Echad is enhanced by the higher Echad. But the higher Echad is also enhanced by the lower Echad. But the main point is that you need to bring them both together. What does this mean in our divine service? This is in the spiritual godly dynamics. What does it mean in our service? It means that after we pray, prayer is very high. Prayer, we reach the highest levels of yearning, of inclusion with God. But as much as you want to include, it's your imagination of what His... Of what, of what inclusion in him means. The true inclusion doesn't happen during prayer. The true inclusion in the divine happens when you're actually learning Torah and doing mitzvahs after you pray. Why? Because as long as you're praying, you're still doing your thing. You are in your consciousness elevating yourself to experience his, his truth. But it's still your consciousness. The moment you're learning Torah, you vacated your mind from yourself 
and you're allowing his, his truths, his teachings, which are one with him, his wisdom, to now be present in your mind. So he took over. Now he is channeling in you. Not your seeking to be, want, to be assimilated into him. He is channeling in you. And when he channels in you, you become him. Now you're not you anymore. So the channeling, the actual download, happens after davening. So davening is still aliyah samalchos. It's still the feminine rising. Torah that comes after davening is the masculine injection, the masculine infusion from above. The raising of the feminine waters during davening b'mesiris nefesh, who in yanachuka. This is only a longing. You desire godly revelation. But you don't yet have the actual gilui. You desire and your longing. You want the revelation, but you're not, you don't have the revelation yet. But the drawing down of the masculine order is my induchrin. When the revelation actually reveals itself. And that is through the actual learning of Torah doing mitzvahs. Like stated elsewhere in that This is so special. This second thing, the second, again, there is the elevation, which is prayer. And then there's the second thing we're saying now, which is learning Torah. Or the first thing is eating, and eating, and then, and then davening. What's the second thing? Which means God coming down to meet the food that you're eating, and to meet you down here, and to include you in His truth from above, down. That's benching. Yes. Benching after you eat, is infusing the food that you've eaten, including the food that you davened already with. Imagine you, you ate and you davened already. When you do birkas, it's, so it's interesting. The benching is not only for right now what the food you just ate. The benching really, according to this, no, the benching today is for what you ate yesterday and you davened already. You ate, you ate, you davened already. You elevated it up to the highest peaks of Echad. Now you're benching, you're benching now. And that's being mamshich the bracha, the the masculine waters, onto the feminine waters that have been risen already in your davening. That's amazing. The benching today is for the food you ate yesterday and has already been elevated yesterday. I don't know if he doesn't say that openly, but there's a kum from this Indian. Because it's after the complete, because the food that you just eat, eaten, you haven't yet done the, even though you, you made a bracha, you just ate it, you haven't yet elevated it. You, you're just beginning that process. It's going to take tomorrow's davening that this should go up in your energy into the, uh, into the halas man, into the raising of feminine orders. Then you have to bench to infuse the bracha from above. But he learns, but the Alter Rebbe is saying over here that the benching is the hamshacha into the oisiyos, the oisiyos of malchus. The Shechina, Malchus, is coming up 
Malchus is pulling herself together from being all fragmented, from being all d- 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 discombobulated in the world. That's what happens because the unity is gone. Once God comes and creates a world like this, you don't see the unity of Hashem. It becomes one big mushka bubble, one to to the Welt. And then Malchus finally pulls herself together and recognizes the unity of Hashem and is yearning upwards. Comes the enlightenment from above to enhance her, her unity and to increase her unity a billionfold. That's the ideaning of Ubarachta Vachalta. Hear this. You will eat. Visavata, you will be satiated. We'll soon see why that's important. Ubarachta S. You will bless S. What's S? Not what you eat. S means eating. Barachta S, yeah, what you eat. You will bless what you ate, you're right. But what is it what you ate? The Oisiyos from Aleph through Tav. That's, that's the Shechina, that's Malchus. Malchus is called S because she's the source of all letters. Uberachta S, you will, now bl- you will now bless the S what you ate. In Yiddish, S. You will bless the S, you will bless the, oh, but it fits because S, the essence is all from the Aleph through Tuf. That's what you've been doing. The Oisios you've collected in that food. Uberach the S, you're blessing the S of Malchus. So now let's read it over here. And this is Birchas Amazon. So according to this, the entire Birchas Amazon is the second Bracha of Birchas Kahanim. The first bracha, Yivarecha Hashem Vayishmarecha, is the eating process. Hashem should give you success. You should be able to eat like a yid. The second bracha, Yair Hashem Panavelecha, is that you should be able to draw down godly illumination from above to enhance what you've eaten, to enhance the sparks of holiness after they've already been elevated. Uberach the S, S Daika, Kamashikasa Bezoyar. Vihib Chenas Malchus, you're benching the Shechina. You're benching Malchus. Shenikra S, that she's called S. As stated in Arizal. Soif Shara Shabbos in the end of the portal of Shabbos. The Dalit Brach is the Birchas Amazon. Now, what are you blessing? And what are you benching her with? Hey! What are you benching her with? What are you benching her? You're benching her with higher awareness, with higher consciousness. That means you're giving her brains. You're giving her a higher awareness, a higher enlightenment. You're giving her moichen. How many moichen are there? There's three moichen. Chachma, Bina, and Das. But if there's only three moichen, how come tefillin have four boxes? Tefillin is moichen. So we've explained that the Das, Chachma, Bina, Das, divides into two. That's why Das becomes the source of Chesed and Gevura. So it divides into two. So therefore, there's really four moichen. Chachma bina, and, the, and there's two atara. Atara de chesed, and atara de gevura, that's both in das. So das, so therefore we can truly say that how many moichen are there? Four moichen. So how many brachas are there in benching? Four blessings. The first bracha, Hazan HaSa'olam's first bracha. Noid is the second bracha. Al-Aretz Valamazin. Rachem Hashem Alokeinu, Tulboyne Yerushalayim is the third bracha, and the last one is the brachas atayvo meitiv. So there are four blessings in benching. What are these four blessings? You benched Malchus. This is the hanshacha of divine enlightenment to Malchus to elevate her, 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 her yichud, 
her achtos, her unity, what she appreciated to a much higher level of unity. That she should be able to receive that in Yehudah Tata, in the lower unity, should be invited in the higher truth of the Eberster. Unbelievable. This is Dira Betachtayna, drawing down God's truth in Malchus, in her brain, and once it enters into her brain, it's going to eventually trickle down to become the brain of every, to become the consciousness of every creature and every being. Because we're all created through those oiseas. But we want intelligent letters, that those letters should be infused with the ultimate emes. es With what? With the four moich. If so, how come a There's only three brachas. The fourth bracha, we know the rabbis, the rabbis added that much later. Initially, benching is only three blessings. The fourth blessing was only added later when the, when the dead corpses of uh, Betar were allowed to be buried. That's when they went and they added a fourth brach. So, Mamanashach, if there are four moichen, then, the ble- then it should have been all chatchila for four blessings. The answer is really how many moichen are there? Three. Chabad. Chachma bin Adas. The fourth one is. is if you're breaking it to details, there's a fourth. And we'll soon see what that means. And that's why there's a fourth one. You take a look in the tefillin, you see that there's two, two types of shins. On one side of the tefillin, there is a shin of three heads. And on the other side of the tefillin, there is a shin of four heads. It's the same three that become four. But the fourth one is be'ikr. The fourth one is be'ikr negei adafke tamalchus. Yeah. I'm not sure. They correspond to the four moichen. The nukva. The four moichen of, of Malchus. Chachma, Ubina, and then Chesed and Gevura. The Hainu. The Chesed and Gevura are both part of Das. Where is the, the moichen coming? The moichen is coming into Malchus. From where? From the Orin Seif. After eating, now you're benching. Now you're drawing down upon the sparks that were elevated a much higher elevation. Al came therefore midairaisem shalish brachis and I told her there are only three brachis ki ikram and gimel moichen. The main ikr is really three moichen. Chabad el shamoyach hadas nechlak labez moichen. The moyach hadas is divided to two moichen. Hey chasadim vehe gevurais. Five powers of chesed and five powers of gevura. Venikram train itrin. They're called the two crowns. One crown becomes the crown of chesed, and the other one becomes the crown to gevura. Itra the chesed, itra the gevura. Like it says in Zoya, be idra zuta dafzat. Yeah. Vene ikar hispashtus agvura is now the main hispashtus of gevura, who lenukvedeza. It says like this. Um, from, from the Moichen, from Chabad, from Chabad come two children. Chabad is called, Chabad is called father and mother. And the marriage of Chachmeh's father, Bina's mother, and the marriage of Chachmeh and Bina is through Das. That's Chabad. So it's a couple. They have two children, a boy and a girl. The boy is the Ze'er Anpin, and the girl is Malchus. Who provides the Moichen to the children? Parents provide the moichen to the children. The boy 
is primarily structured with kindness. The girl is structured with gevura. So therefore, the main hamshacha of chesed goes to the zeiranpin. The main, but malchus is be'ikr built on gevura. adam Malchus malchus It's built on, on gevura. Dina de malchusa dina. By malchus we say it's full of din, full of judgments. We understand why, because malchus, her main job is to, to contract the energy to become so, so detailed, which is a power of din. As explained in Eitz Chaim in many places. Where he says that the main itra de gevura is from malchus. In other words, the Zeir Anpin doesn't receive so much gevura, mainly chesed. It's mainly from malchus. Therefore, What's the chilik of the of the iraisa and the rabbanan? What's the difference between iraisa and the rabbanan? Biblical and rabbinic. So we know that biblical Teresh Biksav is related to the Zairampin. Because it's Zairampin is is still Abishter. That's Torah coming from the Abishter. Teresh Biksav. Teresh is related to Malchus. Malchus Peh. Teresh Peh is the re- The Chachamim, they're part of, of, of Sphiris Amalchus. In other words, Teresh Peh, the oral law, is mainly what we, we discovered. That's Malchus, the Shechina, us. Teresh Peh, is what the Abishter gives us. Therefore, benching as it is in Teresh doesn't recognize the, the other side of Das, which is that Torah of Gevura. Because for Zeir Ampin, Zeir Ampin doesn't receive it. Zeir Ampin only receives a single flow from Das. So it's Chach. It's Moichen is mainly Chachma being a Das. The Das flows one Atara, Atara de Chesed, so it's still one. So as so therefore, when, when the Eraisa, when the Chumish is channeling a Bracha down to Malchus, it's channeling only three Moichen. But the Chachamim, since they're part of, they're coming from Malchus, Actually, he says later in the Mimer, they come from the Chachma of Malchus, that's why they are the Chachamim. They're the Chachamim of Malchus, the feminine Chachma, Teresh of So they already recognize that the Moichen that Malchus needs for her to receive her Moichen is Chachma Bina and Das that divides in two. Because for Malchus, it's not enough Atari the Chesed, but her. There's both Atara de Chesed and Atara de Gevura. So therefore, it becomes four Moichen. And we find in many things in Torah that way that the Do'eraisa is three and the Rabbanan is four. An example Pesach by night, we have two mitzvahs. We have the mitzvah of Matzah and we have the mitzvah of Dalit Kaisis. So what do we have? The Matzahs, we take three Matzahs. That's the Eraisa. The, the eating of matzah is biblical mitzvah. The Arba Koisais are four, and that's rabbinic. And you take a look, the, the Koisais are what? Are cups. That's Malchus. Malchus is a keli, a cup. So how many cups are there? Four. Because the Moichen of Malchus are four. So therefore, the four cups of wine. Another one. We have three fathers. And four mothers. <laughs> They're strange people we are. Three fathers, three mothers. 
not that way. We have three fathers, four mothers. Because the mothers come from Malchus. And in Malchus, the Moichen are four. In the Zeir Ampin, which is Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Chesed, Gevur, and Teferis, it's only three. From the Chachma, Bina, Daz. So everything is the Raisa, three. In Zeir Ampin, it's three. In Malchus, it's four. So that's why there are four brachis in benching, but the fourth one is rabbinic. Midairai sets only three brachis in benching. Midrabanan, when you're adding the way the Malchus perspective, it's four. So, as he says over here, which is the Zairam, the written Torah, ain't Sarach Rakshalish brachis. He, he only recognizes three brachis. Hamshach is Gimel Maich and three Maich. They added a fourth bracha, his galus atara de gavura, the revelation of the atara of gavura benukve It would be interesting to explain what it has to do with the haruge betar when they were given to be buried. For that, I would need already Rablevi Yitzchak, the Rebbe's father, to be able to, to explain that to us. What's the shaykhs of the fourth bracha they instituted at the time when those, when after, uh, after the people, after the, the Bar Kokhva rising, so many Jews were massacred and the Romans didn't let them bury them for a long time. And then when they finally gave them permission to bury, that's when the Chachamim instituted this blessing. What does it have to do with Malchus and so forth? Okay. Even there it says, We learned that our three moichen, but these three moichen, they later are found to be four. And then they become mispashed in everything. That's what Chorim means when it's mispashed lower into the world. Shin also, you have three Russian, and a four. In all those places he discusses this idea of three and four. Now, the root of this entire flow of godly light that's coming, again, the mashpia is coming to illuminate the makabal, the recipient. The flow of it's coming and being drawn into the Abba from the light of Abba. It means ultimately, where is it coming from? It's coming from Chachma. Where is this whole illumination? What are we trying to give Malchus? We're trying to give Malchus the highest experience of Bittel. She doesn't have such Bittel because she's busy creating worlds. She's busy creating french fries, which is not Bittel. So how in the world do you... Oh, so our so the avoid is to bring Bittel. How do you bring Bittel? Who is Mr. Bittel? From all the ten spheroids, where do you have the sharpest truth of ultimate people? Not in Bina. Not in emotions. Emotions are excited. I am excited about God. There's excitement. There's already some, 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 some self there. Even in Bina, which is just an understanding of Echad, Hashem Echad. Even in Bina, that's, a, that's the understanding of Hashem Echad. 
But since it's the understanding, I grasp it, there is an I that's grasping. So Bina is called Yesh. What's the ultimate experience of pure Hashem Echad without anything? Chachma. Koyachma. There's no even I grasping it. Chachma is ayin, complete nothingness. So therefore, the Hamshacha Tamalchus is from Chachma. That's ultimately where the bracha is coming from. That's why it says, and Chachma is Koyachma. So therefore, what are we, what's the phrase for this Hamshacha? Yo'er Hashem Ponov. Face, ponim, is related to chachma. Where do you see that the face is related to chachma? It says, chachmas adam ta'ir panav. The chachma of a person is what gives a person a luminous face. Which teaches you, by the way, the, sh- the more bitter a person has, the more chachma a person has, and bitterly as to the Abishter, the more radiance there is through his face. A shining face comes from an illumination of chachma. I zero have no idea how, how anybody would be able to look into the Alter Rebbe's face. Because the Alter Rebbe is Svira Sachachma. Imagine what that face, imagine what that face must have looked like. Whew. Source of Bittal. And if you take a look at the Alter Rebbe's teachings, his entire teaching is Chachma. The Alter Rebbe is the Amshacha of Chachma. The Neshama of Chachma. In any case, Kibachachma Daika is Beriru. That's why the Alter Rebbe also made a Shulchan Aruch. Since he's Chachma, what's Shulchan Aruch? Birurim. This is Asr, this is Mutter, this is correct. Why? Because all Birurim have to go through Chachma. Chachma does Birur. So not only did he give you Tanya. What's Tanya? Tanya is the whole Torah of Bittl. That's Tanya. A whole philosophy built on Bittl. It just occurred to me. The Alter Rebbe gave us Bala Tanya and Shulchan Aruch. Tanya is Koyachma, the power of Bittl. That's his whole philosophy. To take Yiddishkeit, turn it all around into a Chachma of Bittl. And what's, and what's Shulchan Aruch? Asr Mutter, because the whole Avoida, the whole Koyach, to separate right, to separate what, the, 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 the good from the bad is Dafka Koyach of Chachma. Hamshach of Chachma. But in any case, Kibachachma Daika is Beridu, that's where the bitter happens. Umiza Nimshach Nukva, from the Zeir Anpin, is being drawn to Nukva, Levarer Haman, to, to purify the Maya Nukva, whatever she brought up, but to add that extra bitl. But it's through, it's, it's, it's only being passed through the Iran, but it's really coming from Chachma. Because Chachmas Adam illuminates his face. Okay, we'll take a small break. You have to stay just, we're not going to learn the whole Mimer tonight because uh, maybe you never know, but I don't think so. The, the next piece is just Gavaldic. It's not, too, it's not hard. We're not going to learn the whole piece, just a little bit more. But the Birudim are waiting. We have to have a little bitter. Didn't we learn we have to elevate? Naima, why are you falling asleep tonight? You're falling asleep tonight. Yeah, I see you're, I, I see you're falling asleep. Am I right? You're listening, but you're falling asleep. Ah, okay, good. Ah, very deep Torah, so your eyes are focused. But where's Daron today? What happened to Daron? I'm going to give him over the head right now. Hold it. Oh, my son, where's Daron?
Such a mimer and he's not here? Someone sent me a picture of him sitting in his living room and I'm teaching tonight's share and he's telling me great share. <laughs> That's funny. He's on Laguna Beach, so we can't blame him. So I can't have any complaints to him that he's not here. Okay, let's go take something.
Okay. Shall we continue? The Indian Yisashem of good. So now we're holding by the third blessing. So we know what? We should have success in the elevation process. Yod Hashem is that God should come down to meet our efforts and to elevate what we elevated already. That's the second elevation. Hashem's reciprocation to what we've elevated. In Yisashem Panov, what does it mean, Yisashem Panov? After the man and the mad, the, 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 the man means the feminine elevation, and mad means the, the flow from above, the higher unity that's coming from above, the masculine light. After they've already unified, kind of, so to speak, merged together, gotten married and unified, Yisam, Hashem will elevate them even higher, the Yagbiyam, and will lift them up, to a source that's higher both than the masculine light and the feminine quest. To a place that's higher than him and her, where they're both equal. He will carry them over above. Which means over his body. Like when Hashem, when Hashem carried the Jewish people, he put them on top of his body. Look in that mimer. This is what Chazal means. We'll see what that means in a minute. What does it mean to lift it up higher? It says, Remember, I began the mimer that the. How do we know Bechlal that. How do we know Bechlal that um, benching has a shaykhist, that Birchis Kahanam have a shaykhist to benching? Because we said, we mentioned in the beginning that the Pasuk says, Yisa Hashem Panov. Yisa Hashem Panov simply means Hashem should show us favoritism. Even if we don't deserve, He should, we should, or look away from our, from things that we don't, like Malachim say to Hashem, ha, ha. it says in the Pasuk, Hashem does not show favoritism to anybody. Hashem is very just. So the Abraham says, how can I not show favoritism to them? I said, Vachalta Vesavata that you will eat and you will be satiated and, and then you should bench. And their machmer, that even if they didn't get satiated, they already bench even by a kezayas and a kebetza. So even if they only eat a tiny drop, they already benching. So since they bend over backwards for me to do extra beyond the letter of the law, I will also go beyond the letter of the law. So from there we see that these psukim are shaykh to benching because Hashem is using it by benching. So what, is, what does it mean? But what does it mean that Hashem says, I will be S upon him? And they're the ones who are so careful with themselves. Ad Kezayas, Ad Kebeis. So we turn over the page to page 54. To a Kezayas and a Kebeis. The Yeshla Hagdim, so in order to understand this, we'll preface it. Inyan Kav Hamida. What does it mean, the Kav Hamida? Boitzina de Kardu Nisa. Kavamida. Kavamina means the, the, the supernal measuring stick, measuring device. Like we have a ruler or we have a measuring tape. Above there is something called Kavamida, a measuring device. Sometimes that's called the dark lamp. 
Why? Because since it's full of measuring, means gevura, so it's called dark, because gevura is, chesed is oyer, and gevura is, it sets measures, it sets limitations. And what does it really mean? That the source of chachma, chachma is an atzilus, chachma, or revealed chachma. But chachma has a source in keser. Because all the spheres come from chesed. The source of Chachma in Kesar is called Chachma Stima. It's not really Chachma yet, it's a potential for Chachma. It's a Koyach that there should be Chachma. It's like in the person's nefesh there are all the Kochos, even though it's not yet a Koyach. It's, it's not there yet, it's just a potential for that. So that's called Chachma Shebe Kesar. Now what's higher than Chachma Shebe Kesar? The real Kesar. In other words, there's two in Yanam and Kesar. Kesar is, serves as a mamutza. It, it's, not, it's not too complicated, this. A Kesar serves as a mamutza between the Abishter himself and the Sphiris. So therefore, Kesar itself has to have two Bechinas. One is that it's representing the Abishter himself, the other. So the lower part of Kesar is that what that, that it is a potential for Sphiris. So that's from Kesar, that's from Chachmash. That's from Chachma Shebe Keser and downward, even though it's still Keser. Understand something? Chachma Shebe Keser is still Keser. Malchus Shebe Keser is still Keser. And the, the definition of Keser means that it has no definition. It's still an Ur that's infinite. Keser, it's still above the head, it's infinite. But it's already a potential for Sphiroids. Those are the ten Sphiroids from Chachma. Keser Shebe Keser is what? Is, is, is the Ein Sof itself, is, it's, it's, the, it's where the Ein Sof is without yet being even a potential for spheres. Okay? Okay. So Chachma Shebekeser comes out, Lefizah, Chachma Shebekeser is the potential for Chachma. And where does, where does the, what, what's, what's, what's the, what's the Chiddush of spheres of Chachma? Bina, what's the Chiddush? The Chiddush is that there is such a thing already called Oiroiz Bekelem, that lights are already in Kelem. Higher than Chachma, there is no Kelem. This is where the first idea of Oiroiz and Kelem, there's already a Kelem. Comes out that the beginning of beginning of beginning of Oiroiz Bekelem is where? It starts in Chachma, but what's the beginning of the beginning? Where there's a Shoirish for Chachma in Keser. So Chachma Shebekeser is the Shoirish already for what? For, for Chachma Bina. Ah, that's why we say that in that place, in Chachma Stima, in the concealed Chachma, is the dark lamp, which is the power, the, which is the power of Gevura, power of Gevuras, which means to take an oil and to limit it and finite. The fact that an oil will go into a keli means that the oil is already limited and defined. So that's the shayrish of Oireis Bekelem. That's why it's also called the measuring stick. Because whenever you're dealing with Kalim, Yossi, whenever you're dealing with Kalim, you don't want to overwhelm the Kali. If you're going to overwhelm the Kali, what's going to happen? You're going to have a burst at Kali. That's right. You're going to have a Shvira Sakelim. And the whole Indian of Tikkun is that there shouldn't be Shvira Sakelim. That means that the lights and the vessels should be what? Should be commensurate with each other. And that's why in Chachma Stima, which is the Chachma in Keser, is where the beginning of all measurements happen, where the Abishter is measuring. Higher than that, which is very important to know this, 
Higher than that, there is no measurements at all, meaning everything is infinite and unrestricted and unlimited. That's where the kernel, the seed of measurements begin. That's why we say that the root of all mitzvahs, think about it, what's mitzvahs? Oirois going down into Kalim. How does every mitzvah work? The Abish says you have to make a sukkah. If you want to draw down the Urmak, if you a sukkah is very, very, very specified. What's a sukkah? You need at least three walls or two and a half walls. The schach, and it has to be so, so, so. It has to be so tall. Uh, in order for an esrog, uh, in order for a, a lulav to work, it has to be at least four tfachim. Three tfachim plus one more tefach to shake, right? So you have all these halachas of measurements. How much is a mikvah in order for it to be kosher mikvah? 40 saw, not le- It can't be less than that. All these measurements that set a certain measure, it's all based on what? It all starts in that measuring tape and measures out everything. And that's in Chachmas Because that, remember, why is that the place of measuring? Because that's where Oireis Pekelim begin. Because it's the source of Esosvirois. And, and, and Sfiris are Oiris Bekelem. Fine. Therefore, beyond Chachmastima, listen to this. This is Gavaldic. Higher than Chachmastima is what? Higher than the concealed Chachma. We said earlier, there's no measurements. And that's the meaning of Yisa Hashem Panav. Panav is Chachma. Panav is Chachma. Chachma's natural source, the natural source of Chachma, is in Chachma Shebekeser. That's the natural source of Chachma. Yisa Hashem Panav means the Eber should, should list, lift the Chachma higher than Chachma Stima to a place where there are no measurements. Why no measurements? Why no measurements? So here they go, because in Hashem himself there's no measurements. But why do we want no measurements? Because this is Gavalik. Usually, and why is it necessary by benching? What are we saying over here? When we bring up, when we bring up from below what happens, we stimulate that Hashem should give His blessing from above. But, when the, and what's the bracha that comes from above? That's benching. Benching is the illumination from above going into Malchus to illuminate her. But she has to work very hard that he should bench her. How much does she have to eat and elevate? So what's the apitaira? How much does she have to eat? Until she's no apitaira, how much does she have to eat? Api, api, uh, till she's full. Till she's full means spiritually means that if you're physically full, when you eat food, you're physically full. If the physical reflects the spiritual, the spiritual fullness means that you have a whole chunk of sparks of holiness that you're elevating. So when Malchus has a big bag of sparks and she's coming up with a lot of sparks, that creates what? A certain amount that the Abish says, I'm impressed. And the bracha from above will come. And, and in Chachmistima, it has been decided how much is needed for this system to work. If she brings a few little Mickey sparks over there, and she's very little, she went down for a hunt and she didn't come back with much. It's like the big lioness who comes back with a little, uh, little rabbit instead of bringing a nice, big, uh, a nice big deer. Oh, you know what happens? Ah, perfect example. Doesn't say it anywhere, but I'm excited. 
you know, the mother lioness goes to hunt. So she goes, she goes and she brings an antelope. She comes back over there with a nice big, uh, what is it called? A, uh, a, um, a big wilderbee. You know, a zebra. She comes back. So she comes back to father. The father's lazy. He lays over there, he sleeps, doesn't do anything. His wife comes and schleps the carcass. He gets up, uh, he brings it, he goes to eat. And then he comes to the bride. Now she's all happy that her husband is eating first days. What happens if she comes there with a, with a measly squirrel? He's, he takes one look, goes back to sleep. He's not interested, a little squirrel there that she has. First day, so when the Shekhinah is coming up with a little, little hunt and she's not bringing much of sparks of holiness, then the, the, the Kaddish Baruch Hu is not too impressed with that, with that, with that hunt. There's not enough. And that means in every year, the person, the Shekhinah, we're all little pieces of the Shekhinah. When in our Avodah, we didn't, we didn't elevate too much sparks. We elevated, come, come, we bring in our basket, there's a little, little, little piece of herring, a little piece of squid there. You haven't brought up a nice couple of, you know, a guy goes fishing and he brings, pulls up the net and this huge, huge fish and tuna and, and salmon and this and that. Come to that little, little, little herring over there. It's too little for that to come. So that's the problem. Mitzad Chachma, Chachma has decided, Chachmestima has decided that there needs to be a certain amount, value of sparks of holiness that we need to elevate in order for the, for the benching to happen. And what's that? The benching again is the bracha from above going into Malchus when she brings a lot. How much does she have to bring? Kedai Svia when she's, when she's full. But that's the cheshbin that is being made from the place where God measures out and he sets certain boundaries of how the system should work. But when you elevate beyond Chachmastima and you go up to Keser Shebe Keser, the crown of the crown, the Orin Soiv, over there there's no rules and there's no limits. Over there everything is meaningless and therefore he can decide to flow his light without anything even if you're not bringing anything, technically. Even if there's no, no, no elevation at all. And that's why, oh, that's why we say, the Abishta says, how can I not be noise upon him? How can I not go up to a place beyond? What does it mean to see us upon him? To see us upon him means the Abishta is operating from a place where he's bending the rules. He's not, he's, he's okay. How's the Abishta doing that? If they are machmer on themselves, they are stringent on themselves that they bench even when they only eat a kezayas. Which means they're benching also, they're being mamshech the bracha, even for a kezayas, even if they're not full. In simple life it means even when a yid is hungry, he ate himself a little, he's already benching the ebish there. In other words, they're also bending the rules, even though the rules said, you know, I take care of you, you'll bench me. I'm not actually reading that into what he's saying, but that's the Nakuda. When a yid is thanking the Abishta for the little things, even if he's still hungry, you know? In other words, you're not operating, but the Abishta also doesn't operate with the rules. The Abishta also beyond the rules. That even if we didn't satisfy him with the meal that we're bringing him, he's what? The, the, and that means Yisar Shem Panov. The Abishta is lifting Chachma beyond the measuring stick of Chachma Stima, of the place where Chachma really comes from, where usually there's all measured, everything is measured for measured, to a place where there's no rules and regulations, and over there the flow transcends it all. And that's the meaning of the third bracha. That comes to make the entire, it comes to empower the entire first two brachas, that it, it, it takes it to a whole new place, that even if 
based on the system that the Abishta set up, we can only score points, so to speak, and get that big hamshacha if there is a certain significant amount of, 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 of fish in the net. There's a specific amount of, of sparks of holiness that were elevated, but from the place of Yisa Hashem Panov, the Abishta goes past it because the Abish is operating from a much higher place. Let's read it inside. This is the whole page here. We'll do it very quickly. So this is dark land. This is the concealed chachma. Which in the closed, which in chachma stima is enclosed, the gavura element, the power to restrain from atik yoimen, from the ancient of days, which is higher. And these five gavura, they serve as the measuring stick. Who has measured? This is what sets the boundaries and gives a limit and it gives a measurement. To all the hamshachis, to all the drawing down of lights and vessels. Based on the Abishtis Chachma, that's where the Tzimtzum happens. It should be exactly so. In accordance to God's infinite wisdom. But it has to be within a certain measure. And this is where the, the set amount comes. All the systems, the manomad, all the, all, all the birudim, all the refinements of when we lift up things and commensurate to that, there should be, God should reciprocate. How much do we need to elevate? There is a stone, a weighing stone. This is the, everything is measured out with weights, Exactly, da yud ayin sham. That's yud. Yud is chachma. That's the stone where everything in chachma, everything is measured. This is hinted to in baruch shamar in the pasuk, in the part of baruch shamar we say baruch oimevi oisa baruch goyzer makayim ayin sham. Look over there. That's where we get all the nuances of halacha of dinim. That in every mitzvah, that in order for tzitzis to draw down, in order for tzitzis to be kosher, it has to be yud beis gudlin. It has to be twelve thumbs. The tzitzis has to be the length has to be twelve, the width of twelve thumbs. and tefillin has to be two fingers by two fingers. Umri boys, dafkin has to be dafka a square. Tefillin has to be exactly a square. Vahayna lefisha nimshuchu, not a square, but the same width and the same length. Vahayna lefisha nimshuchu, aydeipchen is gavura vitzimtzum de kavamida. It's because even though tefillin, in essence, is God's will that's beyond all description and all definition, but since it's going through this baitzina de kardenusa, it's going through this mode, this measuring, it sets certain certain definitions of how things need to be. But tzedakah also, he says, even tzedakah, there's a certain measure how much you should give, how much you're supposed to give for tzedakah. A tenth, or you can give 20% or 10%, but not more. It says you shouldn't give more than a fifth of your, of your earnings. That's all part of the measuring. has a measurement. This is the concealed chachma kavamida. It's a measuring, uh, measuring tape. That's why chachma, even though it's on the right side, and therefore we associate it usually with what? With chachma, with chesed chachma, but still chachma has already some elements of din to it because that's where lepa'amim kenoid as it is known. 
And after this introduction, we'll understand. What's the idea that God says, how will I not lift up my face? Meaning, how will I not, how will I not show favoritism? Es upon him will bend the rules. What's interesting, it says, Es upon him, I will lift the face. Now we'll understand. It says, you will eat and you will be satiated. And only then you will bench. When the food is less than the right amount, sphere of satiating, begashmius in the physical, that means you're still hungry even after you ate. If physically you're still hungry, that means that spiritually in the food, because the Balshemtiv says that when you're hungry is because you're really hungry for the spark. So if your A didn't eat enough that you're full, is it simply you didn't take in enough sparks yet? That shouldn't be taken literally in there. <laughs> the Mirabachnitzim from the 288 sparks. There isn't enough there. There is a meager amount of sparks. The Toyo of the world of Toyo. Gamkein Aimbo Kashir doesn't either have the right amount. It's not enough to excite the Abish there. You hadn't bringing enough of the, of the materials of this world to be elevated. That that should be enough, that should create, as we said before, in the father lion, a desire to come to the feast. He's not interested. You brought me a little measly, uh, little, little measly chipmunk. He doesn't want that. He wants a nice uh, antelope, an elk, a big one. A moose. The Zoya says, The bracha cannot dwell in an empty place. So if she comes with an empty net, she's for sure not getting. But even if she comes with something, if it's not, if it doesn't, if it doesn't uh, meet the amount, right? If it doesn't, uh, then it's not counted. Even if it's not completely empty, there's a little bit. Of, let's say, let's say you elevated a little tiny bit of sparks, because most of the day, Chas the person wasted his time. But something he did, a little bit he did. So there's epis and nitzutz. There is every neshama is going to come back with some nitzutz. Got a little fishing. You got to come back with a little fish. It's not enough. It's not enough that the higher hamshacha should come down upon that. The influence of the chef of the Mayan Dukhrim. This is only drawn man, when the raising of the feminine waters, who keli bracha. It has to be a keli that's holding a bracha. And it has to, and this is like we say in the Pasuk, the eyes of every, we say in Ashrei, the eyes call, Malchus is called call, before she receives the hamshacha. Ain't a call that she be, which once she receives the hamshacha she's called kala. Before that call, elecho yisabedu is turning to you, hoping for you. The lamb, and you're going to give them their food. man, we have to draw up the, we have to raise up The Abishta will respond. What's the Abishta's response? The Abishta opens up yodecha is the yud which is the source of Chachma, the, the, the source of divine influence from above. Es Yodecha, Yodecha, that's the Yud. Umazbiya l'chol chai, he satiates Malchus, Ratzon, Shemazbiya, the Abish to satiates, Chukas HaMakabal. The Makabal, the recipient, is longing for his Emes. Umeravet Simoinoi, and he satiates his thirst. Ma'ashe enke keshe'en shira roi Elias If you didn't bring enough up, 
that it should be considered as feminine waters. Then based on the rules, the shefa that's supposed to come from above, mad, mayan, duchrin, the masculine waters that's supposed to come from above. That's why halachically, according to the Torah, if you didn't, if you didn't eat enough to be full, you're not obligated to bench. You can't, through this, you're not drawing down, what's benching? Benching is, as we said before, the blessing coming down to give her mochin from Chachma. Yair Hashem Panavelecha. To give down the Aydeze Giliyama, the Gili of the masculine wars. Shugam came Chenesim Mazbialachochai, which is the Mazbialachochai Ratzon, based on what it is. The Kolzeru Apikava Mida. And this is all based on a measure. Shemesham Nimshach Mida Vishir Zedamanomad. From the Kava Mida, that's where this is all measured, how much is necessary. Again, the fact that you need to bring, that's a given. But how much you need to bring? That has been measured out by this system that, has been, that is there, up there, to decide how much you have to give. It can escalate like we said earlier. But in order that it should be drawn down the masculine waters, even when the raising of the feminine waters is less than satiating on this it says the Abish is going to lift up the system to a place that's beyond the system he's going to lift up Chachma he's going to lift his mind up to the infinite expanse beyond that Simtsum and therefore over there there is no measure at all what's Panav? Panav is a supernal Chachma and the root of Chachma is Chachma Stima, the concealed Chachma, but that's the source of, of the measuring. Hashem is going to lift his face. Hashem is going to lift it to a place that's higher than the concealed Chachma. The innermost of Erech Anpin, which is Keser Shebe Keser. Shua Keser Shebe Keser, which is the Keser of Keser. Chachma is already the source of Tzimtzum, the source of Oireis Bekelim. That's already. Which is the Chachma of Keser, it's already a source of Sphiroes. It's not the real Ein Sof. That's where Dinim start. Because in order to create Oiris Bekelim, you need Din. The Kavamida and a measuring stick. That's already considered the beginning of Atzilus. In beyond of Atzilus, it's considered the beginning of Atzilus. But in the essence of the Oirin Sof, Baruch Hukziv, he is so high. To him, the biggest measure, to him, if you, if you bring him a hippopotamus, it's nothing. And if you bring him a, a squirrel, it's a hippo and a squirrel is exactly the same. Heaven and earth is exactly equal. To the Abraham himself, they're all absolutely equal. From that place. The Abraham can lower, lower himself down. That the Shefa of the Mayan Duchrin, of the masculine word is Yoyred Vinimshach. Should descend and should flow, vishoyre, and it should dwell, gam asman, even on a little tiny bit of raising of feminine waters, even if you don't have enough to be full, even which represents spiritually that there's very little sparks going up. that you've been collecting. The Abishashalik is 
his face. The Abishta will elevate the light of Abba, of Chachma, which decides every influence. But he will lift it to a place that the considerations are not so rigid. Right? He's lifting it to a place where, where it's like, you know, there, there, there are certain rules. Whenever you, you, you come to a certain bank and you want to get the bank to do something. You go to a, any place. You go to a, you go to an amusement park. And you're like, there's certain rules. You have to pay. You have to do this. You come to a program. These are the rules. So then you say, oh, can I speak to the manager? That's not enough. You go to speak to the owner. What does the owner say? The higher up you go, let, let them come, you know, even if they didn't pay the price. Because he can change the rules. He set the rules. He can, he, he's beyond the rules. Is that what I'm saying? But it's not the system. That's the system. But this is a place that's way beyond the whole system. And from there he can bend it. Which on the level of Oresoif, it's not, it's not Shaykh Panim. Panim means face. Face represents there's a face and there's a back. There's already distinctions. Over there, there's no front and no back. From there, the Abishta commands the bracha. I want to stop at these words. The Abishta commands the bracha. To everybody and everything. Abundance. No, no, no restrictions, no limits. And the drawing of the masculine waters. The Abish to give to everybody the Rats and Elyon. Even when what you raised is less than the Shir. And this is the meaning. How should I not raise my face up to a higher place? How should I not bend the rules? How should I not show favoritism? They bench already by just eating a Kazayas and a Kabayas. Who is the one who's ma'orer this? Who is the one who evokes that God should rise the system to a place beyond the system? Here, Yossi, one more word. Who is the one who causes that the Abishta should rise the system to a place that's beyond the system? So when a guy comes to a hotel and he wants to ask for an upgrade and the person is being stubborn and they're not, what? Not necessarily getting anywhere. They're not giving him the upgrade. He comes to an airline, and he, you know he wants to get upgraded to first class. And the, 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 the flight student, the student is uh, the whatever the, the person working there, the counter is not being too flexible. Managers, manager. Oh, ah, but if the guy who comes has connections, and he picks up his phone and he calls the head of uh, Delta Airlines, he gets him on the phone, and suddenly says. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm the CEO of. <laughs> Very quickly, she gets him up upgraded, right? Oh, so the same thing is who is the one who can set the system to go beyond the system? Only someone who is rooted in the Balha system. Here's an amazing thing. What's the Sherish of Malchus? What's the Sherish of Malchus? Malchus is Sherish in Kesser. Kesser Malchus, that's why a king wears a crown. Kesser Malchus. Malchus is Eishas Chayel Ateres Ba. Zeirampin is not rooted in, in Kesser. Zeirampin is rooted in Bina, lower. Malchus Davka is rooted first in Chachma, but even higher in, in Kesser. That's why who are the ones who set that you can bench? In Tereshim you have to be full, as the rules. 
the Chachamim were the ones who came up with what? And the Chachamim are rooted in where, what did we say earlier? They're, they're, they're part of Malchus, Teresh They said we should bench where, even if you only eat a Kazayas, even if you eat much less, which means they, we think it's a Chumrah. Think about it. You see how the thing is? We think it's a Chumrah. You have to bench. It's the biggest Kula. You can bring the Bracha down even if you fished a few two, two little Mickey Sparks. You can still bring down the whole incredible blessing instead of them being tough that you have to... They change the whole system. Why? Because Dafka she, the daughter, Malchus, is rooted in, 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 in Kesser itself. And for the Heineke, Knesset Yisrael, Malchus Datzilus, Knesset Yisrael is the source... Malchus Datzil is the source of the Chachamim, the source of all of us. V'not soifam betchilasam. Malchus is wedged in the beginning. L'chein yuchlu la'hamshech. They're the ones who can draw. M'pchinas keser shalomai l'ma'chachma. Dafka they can access keser that's higher than chachma. Ekenoidam inyan, that's why we also say, Areivam alai divrei soifrim yoyser meyayne shalterim. Chazal say that the words of the scribes are more precious than the wine of Torah. The words of the scribes. The wine of Torah is Torah Shabbat Sav. The words of the scribes, that's the Torah Shabbat Peh. The Aravim Alai, they're sweeter, because ultimately they draw down from a higher place. Oh, if so, so why did the Chachamim give any share? They should have let us bench all day long. <laughs> if we're already drawn from Keser, so why do you have to have a Kazayas? If you have a Kazayas, it means you have to bring something. When you come empty-handed, no good. Epis, some sparks you have to bring. The reason is, you're right, but Sat Kesser, the Eberster, it's equal if you bring or you don't bring. Because he's not impressed with anything. He transcends everything and therefore no shaykhs to the whole business. It means nothing. Bringing, not bringing, it's equal. It doesn't make a difference. He can give blank checks without even a... Uh, since every hamshacha, soif kol soif, has to go through the measuring stick, the place of Chachma. Even though it's coming from a place beyond, but it has to pass through the place of Chachma. Why? Because if it wouldn't come through Chachma, it wouldn't have any limitations at all, and it would electrocute the entire cosmos. It would blow a fuse. It would be too empowered. So it has to be funneled through Chachma. Once it's funneled through Chachma, it has to have some kind of a measurement. So, why does it come out of it? You have measurement, but you have a very relaxed measurement. As opposed to having a very stiff... If the... See, without... Initially, Alpitaira, the Hamshacha is coming from Chachma Shebekeser. That's where it's actually coming from. Then the measure is very rigid, based on the Ebeshtas Chachma, and there's no leeway. It's very tough. Here we're saying, Be'etzem, you're being Mamshech from Keser Shebekeser. And therefore, you shouldn't need to have any... Any, any stimulation from below. Damshacha should be able to... But since it's going at least through the, the system, you know, it, you have to... It's like, it's like, the, the, like the boss he's working with. He, he has to... Okay, you know what? They're giving you something. Let them... What are you... He himself doesn't need it. But since he, you know, the, the, the guy who's working there on the computer is never going to get a shvira sakelem. If, if, you let, if, if, if you're totally ignoring the whole, the, whole, the whole thing, they can't handle it. They're used to working within a certain system, within a certain program. If you ignore totally the entire thing, they, 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 they forget. So therefore, the Abishta kind of sets it that you have, to, you have to kind of appease the system. So to appease the system, you have to set some kind of a measure. 
So you can't bring up the spark. You can't expect the hamshacha without a hala. There has to be a hala. You have to elevate something. But it doesn't have to be enough to satiate, as we said before. It can be a small little elevation. The Chachamim also gave a shira mida. At kezayis va'at kebeitz. A kezayis and a kebeitz. Because even this high Amshacha that's beyond the Shtalshalos, it's really beyond the whole Kavamida. It passes Al Yedei Kavamida. It goes through some kind of a measure. Because the world would not be able to receive El Al Yedei Bechinas Kavamida. It has to go through the measuring. There needs to be oiros and kalim, lights and vessels. We won't be able to receive. There has to be some measure in the elevation. We go over to on the top of the second column. It's enough with a small little shear of a kezayis, or like an egg. This little bit should already be considered that you're bought a keli, that you should be able to receive the bracha. Kamoy hamaruba, just like if you were bought a lot. Bahainu, and the reason is, lefisha shoydish hamshachel yoynim zu, hemshichu melamaylam aseyderish tal shaloz. Because the shorish of this hamshacha was drawn from above the seyderish tal shaloz. Since the root is really coming from above, the little bit is enough. Now the tzemach tzedek is going to add, in a long hagah, from here all the way the whole page, the whole end, Tzemach Tzedek is going to add, why Taka Kezayis? Right. The Alter Rebbe says, you get away with the lesser share. But why Dafka the size of an olive? So Tzemach Tzedek is going to explain what the significance of the size of an olive is. Okay. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to behave really, really bad. I'm going to skip the Tzemach Tzedek's Hagar on the Kezayas. I'm also going to skip Paragimel, the, the, first, the first paragraph in Paragimel. And I'm just going to learn the very end of the Mimer, the second half of Paragimel. That is back to the Alter Rebbe. Unless you want to sit here another three hours, that's fine. Yeah, but next week I'm not going to be here, so I doubt, I'm afraid that there's not enough for me in this mimer to do a whole new shear. There is enough technically, but I don't think I'm going to have the enthusiasm and the excitement to lift off, because the main juice of the mimer we've done already, to, to lift off just on this end. So therefore, I'd rather finish enough tonight that I can say that we learned the mimer. Even though there is this Hagov that's a Machzedek, and there is this piece over here, which being the, this piece over here I don't understand so well. The first chapter, the first paragraph in Peri Gimel, I need some more insight into that. But the end of the mimer will now, it's enough. We, we learned enough to be able to get this entire end. And that's why in the end after after Birchas HaKohanim, what do we say? Put my name on the Jewish people, and I will bless them. 
What does it mean, Vani Avarchem, and I will bless them? Hashem will bless. That means, you see, that means primarily the last blessing. Yisa Hashem Panav. Because basically what, what we learned right now, if we, if we put it into spheroids, if we put it into attributes, we would work like this. Yivarecha Hashem Yishmarecha is Malchus. Malchus should have the koach to lift, lift up sparks. Yair Hashem Panavelecha is Chachma and Ze'er Anpin. It's a hamshacha from the husband to the wife, from the from the spheres achachma, which is the masculine energy, down through zeiran and to malchus, to meet her efforts. When she has an effort to elevate sparks, he he meets her efforts and ch- and channels light down. Oh, but it's an oyer from where? It's a light emanating from where? From chachma. For malchus, it's the greatest illumination. But it's a light from Chach. Yisa Hashem Panavelecha is what? Elevating the entire blessing to Keser. The blessing now is now elevated much higher than say the Rishtalshalos. It's not coming from Chachma. We're not playing by, because if it would be coming from Chachma, we would have to play by the rules of what? Of the blessing will only come if we bring up the, if we bring up the right amount of Nitzutzes. So in order that, Nitzutsa sparks of holiness, in order that we shouldn't have to bring up the sparks of holiness, that we shouldn't be a rigid requirement, that we should be able to get away, the brach is now elevated, that where is it coming from? It's coming from the Oyrein Saif, higher than all measurements, and that's the idea of Yisa Hashem. That level of Yisa Hashem, that's called God Himself is going to bless. Because the brach is coming from Chachm, is not called Hashem Himself. It's a bracha coming from spheroids, from attributes. It's the powers of God blessing. It's not the oirings ani. The word vani avarachem is I myself. Hashem's very self. That's why Hashem says, v'samu Hashemi, put my name. The bracha of the kahanim is so powerful. V'samu Hashemi, put my name on B'nai Yisrael and the Jewish people. That what? That the blessing should come? The third blessing. Yisa Hashem Panavelecha, that the bracha should come from where? From the highest place where we said before where there's no rules and no regulations. That's the meaning Va'ani Avarachem, and I will bless them. The word Vani is the word ayin. Ayin, nothingness. Keser is called ayin. The reason why Keser is called ayin is because Keser doesn't have any definitions whatsoever. Chachma and lower is already defined. Chachma may ayin. Chachma comes from Kesser. Chachma comes from ayin. So the ani and ayin are the same, is the same, same word. So the ani from Kesser itself. Ani, I myself, Avarchem, I will bless them. Vani who oisi is ayin. Shemesham daika, dafka from there, nimshach brachazu, is where this blessing is coming from. Vederach klal, and in general. Ayin ubchenas keser, and in general, whenever we say ayin, it's referring to keser. Shalomai lo machachma, that's higher than chachma. Ayin mashakasim is a bebira pasuk yeshab soisei tishmoir. Vezau inyan, and this is the idea of bracha beroish. There's a bracha in the beginning, or bracha besoif, and the bracha in the end. Bracha beroish, who he yevarecha. The first bracha, the, the bracha at the beginning is yevarecha. Yevarecha is really what. The blessings coming from Malchus. Meaning, and it's not even a blessing going down, it's a, ble- it's a rising blessing. 
It's the ability. Oh, it's still a blessing from God, but it's an empowerment for Malchus to be able to elevate. Empowerment from above to give Malchus the Koyach to elevate. But that bracha, the bracha at the beginning is also from Keser. The reason why it's also from Keser. What he's going to explain is that the first blessing, Yivarecha HaShem Ve'yishmerecha, and Yisa HaShem Pana the first and the third, are really higher and more powerful than the middle. Yair HaShem. Even though, based on what we learned earlier, Yivarecha HaShem Ve'yishmerecha is far, far inferior to Yo'er Hashem. Because Yo'er Hashem is the truths of Echad, the emes, the real Echad, coming down to bless her efforts. It's, it's the Koyach, the masculine power, that's coming to meet the, the, the rising of the feminine waters, the, the rising of Malchus. So really, our, our work is infinitesimally smaller than the Yo'er Hashem, than God's assistance. So Luchura, Really, we should think that our blessing, the lowest is Yivarechacha. No. Yivarechacha and Yisa are both connected. Why? Since Malchus is rooted in Keser, so what, what we do, even though it's so tiny and so small, really touches God in the deepest place in Keser. So therefore, the two, the two blessings in this in this in these three blessings that are emanating from the Ani himself, that are relating to the Ani himself. Our Serusa de Latata, our little bit of work, even though we need God's help so much stronger, and we need Him to help us with our homework, and our homework is very, very sloppy until He comes and puts the final touches. Yet the very fact that we did something on our own touches Him so deeply, that reaches the essence of God just like the final blessing also comes from the essence of Hashem. The final blessing of Yisa Hashem Panav also comes from Keser. And that's the meaning where Chazal say, Bracha Baroish, there's a bracha at the beginning and Bracha Besoyf. So let's explain it. That's the first bracha. It should be the vegetation, the plant, the growth. That we should be, we should be successful with our crop. And it's really coming from Malchus of Atzilus. And it says, Hashem says, I've given you Jewish people, Neshamas. I've made you Revava, I made you increase like the vegetation of the field. I've increased you so much. It's the Ur, it's our work rising upwards. And that goes very high. Why? Because the end is wedged in the beginning. This elevation of Malchus, this rises and stimulates all the way up in Keser. And that's the real reason why the bracha in the end is not only coming from Chachma, but it, when God is reciprocating, He's reciprocating all the way from Keser. Because our work, Serusa de Latata, touches Hashem and the Orin Saif Mamish. Even though the first initial response to our work is from Chachma, that's the second blessing. Yor Hashem But ultimately, it's not, it's not playing by the rules of Chachma, 
it's it's loosened, as we spoke earlier, it's loosened up because it's really drawing from Kesser. Why is it drawing to Kesser? Because when because everything we do as daddy's little girl is so that is so important and that touches him in the essence. And that's why it stimulates even in Kesser to loosen the rules, as we said earlier, that the rules should not be based on, okay, if you give me a nice chunk of something, I will give my blessing. So the bracha the bracha in the end. I will bless. And that's again Kesser. The Or Yashar, that's however the direct light of Kesser. From up there. Now, based on all this, we'll understand something very special. We'll also understand another thing. We know we, 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 till now we spoke only about benching, the grace after a meal. But we weren't learning about the, the blessings we make before we eat. The blessings we make before we eat. He bichlal didn't talk about that. What's the blessing? We make shahakol niyabidvare on a glass of water. Bore mina mizonos on when we eat a cookie. Hamotzi on bread. Eats. What's the significance? The interesting thing is, he says, that the brachas we make before we eat don't require a significant amount. Even if I take this amount of water, tiny bit, I still have to make a shahako. I didn't make a bracha because I made one earlier, okay? Everybody on the camera. In any case, the bracha, the bracha, you have to make even on a tiny, tiny bit. A mashu, there's no, even a crumb, you have to make a bracha. It, how come? The after bracha has a certain measurement, minimum amount. If you ate less than the amount, you don't make an after bracha. But a bracha before, you make. What's the end? It's very simple. The bracha afterwards, after the meal, is God's reciprocation to your efforts. Oh, if it's God's reciprocation to your efforts, there has to be, you have to bring him something. Okay, according to the real, real initial system, you have to give him enough to impress him. If you give him less than what to impress him, he. It shouldn't, it shouldn't work. Oh, we're more lenient, and even if you're not, even if you didn't eat that you're full, you ate uh, kazayas, we also bench. Fine. But you still have to bring something. The bracha we make before we eat is not a bracha from Hashem to fix what we've elevated, because we didn't elevate anything yet. It's in order to jumpstart the whole system. If we don't get a blessing from above in the beginning, we can't do anything. Therefore, it's not Hashem giving us, it's not a reward, it's not payment on what we've given Him. It's, it's Hashem is investing. It's, it's money that He gives to invest that we should be able to, to do the job. It's like two, it's, it's an example. A person comes for payment to his, yeah, to his employer. Oh, so he has to show productivity. He has to show productivity. If he doesn't show productivity, he's not getting paid. But there's another thing, before he sets out to work, the owner gives him money to buy equipment. That money is gonna come for free. He doesn't have to bring him anything. As long as you're hired for the job and he thinks you can do the job, he gives you, you know, $20, go buy screws, go buy notes, buy that. The, the bracha rishayna is the Abish to giving us an empowerment to do the work, to fix the world. That doesn't have a set amount. You don't have to, because you didn't have to please him for it. That's before. Why? So he says, because that's, the, the empowerment that we should first begin when we make a bracha rishayna, we're drawing godly light down that will awaken the sparks of holiness that are in the food. 
they shouldn't be sleeping. Because when they're sleeping, you, if you don't make a bracha before that, then you eat it and the spark is still asleep. And therefore, even if you're a human that's eating it, and even if you eat the high, with high kavanas, you can't, you can't draw the spark if the spark is sleeping. I'll give an example. If you bring a mother, a mother, uh, a mother, even a mother animal next to its little baby and next to its calf, what is the calf going to do? If the calf didn't see its mom was lost, was hungry, whatever, and sees its mom, it's going to be drawn next to its mother. It's going to get excited, it's going to be drawn to the mother, going to pull it. So if you bring God down next to a spark, what is it going to do? It's going to pull the spark. Oh, but what happens if the calf is sleeping and you bring the mother next to it? She's going to remain sleeping. She's not going to respond. She's sleeping. If the sparks of holiness are asleep in, in, in the physical things, then you can bring, then, then you can eat, then you can have your neshama. It's not. So you need to like jolt her awake. You have to jolt the spark awake. How do you wake up the sparks of holiness before? That's before you eat, you make a brach. Only when you make a brach, and then as a human soul, you will eat it, you will draw those sparks into your neshama, you will daven with it, you can elevate it, but it's only if, it's an, if, it's the, if the spark is awake. If it's a sleeping spark, you can't do anything. And all sparks are asleep until you make a brach. The bracha is the stimulator, it wakes them up. But that's, that's not called payment. That's needed, as we said before, that's needed so you can be able to do your job. That's given for free. And that doesn't require any, a certain amount. That's, a, that's given for everybody. You don't have to have any amount of food, even the tiniest bit. You're given that koyach to, to be able to stir it up. That's what he's saying. As we said, The first bracha doesn't need an amount. It comes to evoke the... The arousal from below. Like a person who is asleep. To wake him up from the sleep. Because it's coming before the Yisrael is from below. You didn't do anything. You can't demand a sheer an amount. The second bracha. The second bracha is coming to be God's illumination after you've done your work and elevating it through eating the right way and davening the right way and bringing it up to a higher state. Now you're drawing God's down, light down on what you've done. You need to have a certain amount. It's till you're full. They have been careful to draw down that yidden were medayik, the medaktik, even on a kezayis. Because we, we, we wanted to lift the system to a place that's beyond the system. Birchas Amazin, Parshas Ekev. Baramaz, I'm sorry. Birchas Amazin, I'm tired already. Baramaz, Parshas Ekev. In the Ramaz, it's safe for Ramaz, Parshas Ekev. Now we'll understand the meaning. Take a look how beautiful. Koi Sevorachu. That's what. Now how does Birchas Kahanim start? Now we'll. Koi Sevorachu has been a Yisrael. Now we'll understand what that means. What did we say earlier? The whole, the whole idea of benching. In benching, we said is what's the point? Vachalta, you will eat. Visavata, you will be satiated. 
Ubarachta es. You will bless. What did we learn? Berachta, you will draw down S. You will bless Malchus. You will bless the letters. You will bless what you're, what you're bringing up. You will bless Malchus with the powerful blessing. And, and that's all hinted to in the, in the Birchus Kohanim also. So in Birchus Kohanim, what does it say? Ko Sevarach. We know that Ko is Malchus. That's why it always says Ko Amar Hashem. Malchus is called Ko. Zeh is the Zeir Anpin, it's called Zeh. Malchus is called Ko. That's why the creation of the world is from Sphiris Amalchus happens on the 25th day of Elul, Chafhe Elul, which is Ko. Koy is Malchus. Koy Savarachu means that Malchus should be blessed. Koy Malchus, Savarachu should be blessed. Take the word Tivarachu, switch around the letters, you get the word Bikisro with his crown. Ko Malchus will be blessed with Keser. Bekisroi, Koy Savarachu. Malchus, all the way down in Malchus. So that's the Kois of Arachu, right at the first words. And then it explains it, how to do it. And finally, Yisa Hashem, and therefore, and that's the Kois of Arachu. Kois of Arachu, the early one said, the word Tzavarachu, Betziruf Bekisro. If you change the word Tavarachu, you get the word Be, you just have to put the Be's first, and then the Kaf, and then you have Be Kis Roy. See? Put the Be's and the Kaf at the beginning of the word, you have Be Kis Roy. Remes, Shemoyri Da'or, Mina Keser, you're drawing the light down from the Keser, Adam Malchus, Hanikra Koi, Malchus is called Koi, Shekesha I'll tell you why. Let me give you a deeper reason why Malchus is called Koi. I don't want to leave this. I ripped you off by not teaching you this. So I feel like I gypped everybody off today. So um, uh, I, need, I need at least, at least uh, finish this Indian. Why is Malchus called Koi? Ko means something like this. Zeh means this is it. That's why it says all the Nevi'im, when they prophesied, they prophesied with Ko. Because they didn't have godliness out very clearly. They saw something like... Moshe Rabbeinu had a very clear vision. He said, Zeh. So it says like this. All the spheroids higher than Malchus are still considered the extension of God. Even though they're spheroids, but it's Hashem unifying with the attributes till he's totally one with them and they are him, he is they. They are him and he is they. The spheroids. Malchus, however, is already, already an interpretation of divinity. Because the very fact that God is pretending to be a king and a king means that he has subjects. That means that it's possible that there be reality that's not him. Is already a distortion on truth. It's not the absolute truth. That's why Malchus, the Shekhinah, is considered ko. She's something like divine, but she's not the real divinity. Ko, it's, it's an imitation. It's not the real, real thing. And that's why Mal- but But the bracha is that we want to draw down in ko, in Malchus, that's not the real thing. We want to draw down the real thing. And that's when you bring down Keser into Malchus, so then even in Ko, which is the world, which is Malchus, the source of creation, you will have the absolute truth of the Eberster himself. Koi Sevarchu, Tevarchu is Keser, Bikisra. Shekesha Bracha Ba, because when the Bracha will be in Malchus, he Chala al Yisrael, it will dwell upon the Jewish people, Hamash Rashim Shama that are rooted in Malchus. 
And therefore we will be blessed. That's what it says in Sefer Haramaz. What's left over here to do is why a kezayis? This whole part, what's left over here is we did we skipped. Why dafka did they if they give a shear, why did they give a shear kezayis? And also what we didn't even learn is the beer. Let me tell you what, what part we skipped is the beer of why it says Yisa Hashem Lecha. What's the significance of the last three words? V'yaseim l'cha shalom. That he explains over here. V'yaseim l'cha shalom. He's basically saying, I'm not, I'm not going to leave it completely out. He's basically saying that since we're being mamshech bracha from a place so transcendental and so high and so infinite and so beyond, and you want that bracha to stick, you want to be mamshech and malchus, how can you be mamshech a bracha that's infinite? It's true that we said before, we, it's funneled through a funnel that gives it some kind of a limitation. But still, it's an or ain't self. For that, to be able to hold on to such a blessing, we need a special keli. We need a special keli to be blessed from Kesser. And over here, the point of the keli is not to draw it down. Drawing it down is because Malcha stimulates it, we said earlier. The rabbis were able to stimulate it because they're mushrush and malchus. They're able to, to stimulate it. It's not the question of stimulating. The question is how do you take it in and absorb it and hold it? So Chazal say, The Ebersh did not find a better keli to hold bracha only peace. Peace is the vessel that holds blessings. Since God wants to give us over here the deepest, highest blessing coming from Him Himself, He has to provide us with a keli as well. The Abishta will give you shalom, He will give you the power of shalom. He will give you peace. When you will have peace, not only will you be able to get the blessing from Kesser, but you'll be able to contain it as well. And to hold it. That's the significance of peace. That's why we can be very religious and have all the greatest stimuli and bring that. But we can't hold on to anything unless we have peace with each other. Because only peace, shalom, only where there is peace, is there a keli. Why is peace the keli? For, for uh, to hold the ultimate blessing. Because the definition of peace is the bringing together of opposites. Opposites getting along. That's what peace is. You have two conflicting opinions, yet they make peace. There's no bigger opposite than Malchus and Keser. Why is there no bigger opposite? Because Malchus is the source of finite existence. Keser means what? The Abishter as he's what? In, in his ultimate, ultimate, ultimate infinity. In his ultimate, 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 non-defined state. That's what the whole definition of Kesser. Beyond definition. If you, if you can give a definition to Kesser, is that Kesser is non-spheros. Non, it's the pshitos of the Ain't Sof. It's the simplicity of the Ain't Sof. How can Malchus hold the total opposite that's not? The answer is Shalem. Because that's what Shalem is. Shalem is the ability to hold together opposites. That's the peace that he says over here. You know what, let's learn it right now. Now that I explained it, I ran as well learn it, so then I'm not going to feel guilty the rest of my life that I have a little piece of, of Torah or that I didn't teach. Ah, let's read it inside quickly. 
Page Chavches. Let's go back to Sif Gimel. You see that page? That's why it can receive the supernal bracha that's above which is the whole point over here is that even why do you need the bracha from Kesser? What's wrong with getting the bracha from Chachma? Because you want to be able to have the bracha even if you did not fulfill your obligation in elevating. That even a little bit should be able to hold the bracha, like if you did a lot, like if you became satiated. What does it mean he will give you shalom? So how do you get that shalom? Shalom is the keli, but how do you get shalom? You get shalom through learning Torah. Torah is shalom. Like we say, Hashem owes Li'amo Yitain. Hashem gives strength to his people, is referring to the Torah. Eight owes El Torah. Hashem Yavarech es Amoy Bashalom. Hashem is blessing his people with Shalom. Torah is called Shalom. Lo'initna Torah el Alas is Shalom Ba'olam. The Torah was given only to make peace in the world. But what kind of Shalom, what kind of Torah are we talking about? Torah has many, Torah is called Chachma. Here, here, there's a specific element in Torah that's called Shalom. Which element of Torah is called Shalom? Is when you're learning Torah, but when you're learning Torah with absolute bittal. That then Torah is Shalom. What does it mean to learn Torah with bittal? Is that when you're learning Torah, it's not you learning, you're just a, you're just a mouthpiece for God to speak through you. A channel. Only when you learn Torah in that way, does the Torah draw down, does the Torah have that power of Sholem? Why? Because where God Almighty Himself is, everybody makes peace. Because He cancels, he, it's so overwhelming, His presence, that all enemies and opposites dissolve. Like we once spoke, that when, we spoke many times, when there are two ministers that can't get along with each other, when the king himself walks in, they stop fighting. Because in front of the king, they're canceled. So you need God Himself to be present. How do you have God Himself to be present? When you learn Torah in a way that God is speaking. Then, we'll see, he explains it over here. Dafka through learning Torah. What kind of Torah? In a way of when the Pasuk says, all your children, Hashem, they're learning from God. Hashem. That means the learning of Torah in a way when you're not learning, you're not the one saying it. You're learning from Hashem. Hashem is speaking through you. Then, what does the Pasuk say? V'rav shalom b'nayach. Then your children have a lot of peace. V'amar azal chazal darshan on this Pasuk. Kala oisik b'toyra. Anybody that has oisik b'toyra, oisik shalom makes peace. B'pamal yashalmayla in the higher abode. U'b'pamal yashalmayla in the higher pamalia. Or pamalia, exactly translated. In the higher uh, sphere, and in the lower, in the lower armies. That this, when you osik in Torah, you're bringing peace. The Indian of Shalom is that it unifies two opposites. And therefore, it's associated with the center. Why? Because there's two extremes, right? 
Chachma Chesed Netzach is on one side, Bina Gavura. Das Teferis Yisod Malchus is in the center. And that's the showing, that's the piece, because it, it connects between the two. Da'inu Kavam Tzoi, Das Teferis Yisod. Vadasu Ikr HaMamutza. And the main Mamutza is Das. Lias Machabal Amayla Chachmam Bina, because it connects Chachmam Bina. If you learn Torah in a way of Das, which really means that you know that it's God's Torah and it's not you talking, it's Hashem talking, then the Torah unifies Chachme and Bina. The Inyan Chiburzeh, what does this mean? Chachme is nothingness. Even though we say later that the real Ayin is Keser, but Chachme is also called Ayin. And Bina is already something. And usually, once you're in the world of Bina, you're already detached from the Chachma. Das is what keeps the ayin of Chachma in the Bina. The Das Elyon Mechaber Mezavik Chachma and Bina unifies the Chachma and the Bina. The Bina translates the nothingness of Chachma, the Bittel of Chachma, the ayin of Chachma, into the Yesh of Bina. That even when you understand it, you shouldn't lose the Bittel. That's the Shalom in the higher abode. Ayadeya das elyon through the higher das, and then there's a lower das because it says kikel deoy savaya. There's two levels of das: das elyon and das tachtin. So the higher das makes a piece in a higher realm, and the lower das makes a piece where between za and malchus. That's what we're going to learn now. To bring together you is It comes through yisoid. Yisoid is also in the middle. Which generally also means from the world of Atzilus to Bria Yetziras here, because uh, Malchus is the source of creation. Shugam ken Ayin Veyesh. It's also Atzilus is still called Ayin, and Bria is called Yesh. Elosh Hashem, but over here you're dealing with a much coarser Yesh. Hayesh Rudavar Nifred Mamish is a real separate being. Just like we said before, that the higher yichud is that in the light, the ayin of Chachma, Shashayin, and Bina, the lower yichud is that the, the, the bittel that there is in Atzilus in general should be translated into creation. That below should also be the bittel like it is above. By unifying Zun and Atzilus, you cause that. You draw down the yichud in biya as well. Kamoy lamayla ba'atzilus as it is in atzilus. Shadim shachkam lam oirin soifli is bitul v'skalos. That also understands talos much because makamachar, and that's accomplished through learning Torah with bitul. V'zau shalom b'pamal yoshalmata. That's when you're bringing shalom in the lower abode. V'ainu gam kena yedei adas hamespashet b'midos. That's also through das that goes into the midos. V'zau kikel deyos beis b'chenas das. V'ainu l'fishadas shorsha lamayla ma'achachma bina. How does that das have such power? That it can translate from ayin to yesh on all levels without, without being influenced by the yesh or being restricted by the yesh on these worlds. That's because das is rooted higher than chachmem bina. It's higher, it's in the avir that we once learned in the space that's above the membrane, the chafya that's covering on the that's where Das of Atik is rooted. That Chabad is rooted from the three heads of Atik, the Hadas, and the Das is the highest one. And that's the reason why Dafka Das, 
can hold the bracha from such a high place. Simply it means by having that peace, shalom. But the Ebeshter will give us that shalom. And ki kava midu mabchenes chach mistimo. The kava midu is chach mistimo. K'mosh kasev parashat Arizal, besifra detzniyas reish perik aluga. Behind miskel etole basar do lehava, miskel uchach mistimo, v'hitalia batika nikra ayin, v'zel do lehava, a place that doesn't exist. Lav the iu inon elobay talion, but it's only talion over there. It's not that it is there. Avladas mamshach mabchenes ayin mamish, the ass is mamshach literally from ayin. Shubchenes avira da gabe kruma moichst mavu mamshach amal makav amidam. Vayim pishus that amaz rishpachik koychon nechbat mizav mepaz rav amal machach mabin derech ham pekinal for the mamshach nes kav amidam lecholo Everybody understood. That's the secret. The yosem luchasholim to draw down from that very very high deep place is through das and that's through limud atayra bebitul. Everyone, if you don't understand what you just learned. This last piece, join the club. L'chaim. Through das, through whatever you like. By now, it's through whatever you like. Take care, everyone. Everyone have a good week. This was our mimer. Wow. What an awesome mimer. What an awesome mimer. What an awesome mimer. We start 8.50 because my students... Only come at 8.50. If my students would be here at 8.30, I would start at 8.30. No, my students only come at 8.50. Some of my students. My other students only come at 9 o'clock. But we're not going to complain to the few students that are here. Okay, everyone. <laughs>